everyone. Happy Wednesday. I hope you guys are doing really good today. I'm loving the gifts. Y'all don't post it the damn Jeffrey Dahmer gift in the chat. I know y'all didn't. <laughs> they got Jeffrey Dahmer in here dancing. But I hope everybody's doing good. It has been so much talk about this Netflix documentary. Um, and initially, I was just kind of sipping tea and kind of, you know, reading what people were saying online and stuff like that. I wasn't sure if I wanted to watch it. Um, and I know me and James, Erratic Unicorn, we were kind of talking this weekend on Telegraph about it. And he was saying that he kind of felt like it was, you know, trauma porn and he wasn't sure if he wanted to engage. And for me, I can say that I honestly do not remember a lot about Jeffrey Dahmer. Like this happened when I was a kid. I remember being in elementary school around this time. And so uh, I'm learning so much from watching this. I finally decided to, you know, start, you know, watching it. It's a 10-part episode series, um, and it's on Netflix. And so it dropped, like, over the weekend. So I didn't start watching it until about Sunday evening. And so I watched the first two episodes, and I was just kind of blown away. And then I found myself, you know, watching it at, like, literally 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock in the morning. And it was definitely, definitely creepy. Um, and it's just another one of those Ryan Murphy, you know, situations. Um, he's the director of American Horror Story. Um, he has uh, Evan Peters is playing Jeffrey Dahmer. And as an actor, I've always liked him in the Marvel movies. I've always liked him as, you know, Quicksilver. But he's definitely killing it as this role. And it's so eerie because there were times when I would look at Jeffrey's pictures in that orange uniform and uh, Evan looks just like him looks just like him and even the accent like y'all don't understand like growing up in the Midwest it blows me away because a lot of times Midwest accents are not really portrayed right or they're kind of seen as goofy like you know everybody knows the East Coast accent of Brooklyn you know or Southern you know but Midwest accents are not the easiest to like really capture. And the way he talks, that is like, yeah, don't you know, no, dad. Like he just has that Midwestern voice down back where it's so eerie. It's like, it's so eerie. Like he talks like every white Midwestern dude <laughs> that I went to school with. And it's just, it's like he really embodied that character. I mean, the way he walks, just he has embodied him, right? But the thing that kind of has me nervous is that I really hope, you know, because like I tell you guys all the time when you're involved in acting, you have to really become one with that actor. Acting is a very, very spiritual thing. People don't understand that. A lot of times you're inviting that person's spirit, their energy into you to be able to tell their story, okay? And there were certain times when I look at him on camera, I see Jeffrey Dahmer. There was one point when he had one of the boys in the room with him that his eyes like turned like cat eyes and it scared me. Like I literally jumped. I wasn't expecting that. 
And then he goes on to just talk casually like, yeah, I hope you like my contacts. I got these the other day. And I was just like, oh, my God, <laughs> it was just so creepy the way he was just talking and, and dialoguing like him. And I just hope for his sanity and for his spirit that he exercises the role of Jeffrey Dahmer out of him. Because what a lot of people don't know that I've talked about in the past on YouTube is that, you know, when you're channeling these, you know, these characters, I don't care if it's good or bad, right? It, it, you can become one with that character. You can lose yourself. That is what happened with Heath Ledger, with Heath Ledger and the Joker. Um, that's happened to the young man who played in Boys in the Hood, the one that killed Ricky. Remember, he couldn't come out of that role. He was a good kid living in the valley. He got this gangster role. Then he started hanging out in Inglewood with all the bloods. He got jumped in. This is one of the most notable characters in Boys in the Hood. And he ended up doing a drive-by and killing three people years later. Yes, Michael B. Jordan as well. He had to exercise the role of Killmonger out of him. You know, so acting is a very, very spiritual thing. So for me, when I watch this Jeffrey Dahmer documentary, his acting is so good. He's become so one with the character that it makes me nervous for him. Like, I just really hope that he's with the right acting people and he's able to get back and find the core of himself and that he doesn't get lost in this character. Because, you know, as a kid, one thing I remember about this case, right, because, again, I'm like in probably fourth grade when this happened. So one thing I remember about the case was the word Laotian. I had never heard the word Laotian before. I didn't know what a Laotian was. And I remember seeing this Laotian boy. This Laotian boy was sent back into his apartment. And I remember seeing the boy's picture. So it kind of brought me back to my childhood. Like it, it came back rushing uh, a bunch of like memories flooding back. And I was like, I remember that, that word Laotian from way back then. But I had no idea the young boy was only 14 at the time. I had no idea Jeffrey had molested his older brother at the time. It was just so much information that, that as a kid, you know, you don't know. And as a kid, you don't need to digest. I don't need to understand what cannibalism is as a kid, you know? So I didn't even realize, like, I remember the jokes when I was younger, like Martin Lawrence on You So Crazy talking about if they find an ass in the refrigerator, guilty. He don't need to go to trial. I remember that joke from being a kid, but I didn't know he was as sadistic as he was, you know, as far as like eating people and telling the one man he's listening to his heart and he's saying, I'm going to eat your heart. I didn't know he was making zombies out of people like child. When I tell you, I just didn't know. Like this has really refreshed my memory and just scared the hell out of me because it just shows the depravity of human beings, like what, you know, how dark somebody can be. And the thing that's very disturbing about this, right? Another angle I can say that's really pissed me off as I'm watching this, because like I said, I didn't know all this was going on because I was in elementary school. I'm a kid. I never knew that there was this, this Black woman named Glenda Cleveland that was alerting the police continuously. She kept feeling that something wasn't right. And, you know, she was just being ignored and dismissed. And the fact that this community, anytime they had a concern, they were just being ignored and dismissed. And Jeffrey Domner, I'm sorry, I have to say it. He is the living, well, he's dead now, child. But he was the living embodiment of white privilege. Like, can we, like, just keep it real? This man was caught molesting a 13-year-old child. 
And they literally said, well, you know, um, we see you're a hard worker. We don't want to mess up your, your background. So we'll let you just, you know, keep working on work release. We're not going to send you to prison. You know, you just do a few months and you can just work on work release. It's like, wait, what? Had he been locked up for that molestation, that could have saved other people's lives. You know, the fact that it, it was just so many nuances to this thing, right? You have the whole gay situation where there's clear homophobia, where the police don't really want to be bothered. Even when they came in the apartment, he, the, his whole thing for this reason why his apartment was stinking was, it's rotting meat. Oh, I was trying to barbecue and I, you know, I left the meat out. Oh, it's rotting meat and gay stuff. And as soon as he would say gay stuff, automatically the police officer would be like, oh, no, I don't want to catch AIDS. I'm not trying to go in your apartment. I, you know, he was just able to get away with stuff where I'm sorry. If he was a black guy and he was like, oh, don't worry about the meat. It's just gay stuff. <laughs> they were like, move your black ass out the way. We're coming in to come check your apartment. HIV, AIDS or not. You know what I'm saying? Like, I just don't feel like they would have given, if this was like a black guy with all this suspicion around him, he would not have been given that much grace. Even the fact that they brought that victim, I'm the one who got away and I can't think of his name right now, who had the handcuffs on him. The fact that the cops brought him back to Jeffrey's apartment and were talking to him crazy. So today's show sponsor is BetterHelp. It can be tough to train your brain to stay in a problem solving mode when you're faced with so many challenges in life. But when you learn to solve your own problems, there is no better feeling. A therapist can help you become a better problem solver, making it easier to accomplish your goals, no matter how big or small. So if you're thinking of giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's convenient, it's accessible, it's affordable, and it's done entirely online from the convenience of your home. Get matched with a therapist after filling out a brief survey, and you can also switch your therapist at any time, so you're not obligated to stay with one therapist. So if you want to be a better problem solver, therapy can definitely get you there. Make sure to visit betterhelp.com slash sip slow to get 10% off your first month. Once again, that's betterhelp.com slash sip slow. As if he did something wrong, you know, but oh, it's it's a very, very interesting story. I never knew that Jesse Jackson was out there and he was marching on behalf of the people. And he said, you know what, regardless of whatever their sexual orientation is, these are our people. These are our black, you know, brothers that were killed and maimed and, you know, just treated horrifically. We have to stand behind them. So I thought that was really dope. I didn't know all of that, you know, took place. So I learned a lot. You know, um, the fact that Glenda was saying that, no, that doesn't look like a grown man. And Jeffrey's just able to say, oh, well, that's my 19-year-old boyfriend. But Jeffrey's clearly a grown man. 19 is still young. But the crazy part is the little boy is naked. Like, there's not as much detail they can show on Netflix, right? Because they have to keep it PG. But if you read the transcripts, he was naked and bleeding from his anal area. There was blood coming from his anal area. Like, that's not just rough play. There, There's something going on. And for, for alarm bells not to ring is insane. And imagine the reason why he couldn't talk and, and you know, move coherently is because he had acid. Jeffrey had drilled a hole into his brain, had already injected with acid. I mean, it's, it's just the whole thing is just depraved. Another thing I want to get on before I start taking calls, I know we have a lot of people calling in. Um is I also want to talk on this sympathy. 
And I'm not going to blame Ryan Murphy for that, because I think at the end of the day, people have the right to tell a story. They have the right to film. And true crime is a big genre. Let's keep it real. A lot of us are glued to the ID channel. A lot of us enjoy, not enjoy in a morbid way. I think for me, when I watch true crime, it's to take pointers. It's, it's for me to learn from the mistakes of other people, right? Or to be more, you know, have a heightened sense of awareness. That's really why I watch it. But um. I see a lot of sympathizing for Jeffrey Dahmer, and that's kind of bothering me. Me and my son had a conversation yesterday, my youngest son, who's 16, and he asked, he said, Mom, have you been watching the Jeffrey Dahmer movie? He said, because I thought I heard it last night because um, I must have fallen asleep or whatever. And so he said he heard it before he went to school that, you know, Netflix was like, are you still watching or some mess? And I said, yeah, I am watching it. And he said, well, what are you thinking? I said, well, you know, it's bringing back a lot of memories because I didn't know a lot of what happened because I was a kid. I said, well, did you watch? He said, yeah. He said, man, I've never seen nothing like that. That was crazy. Now, I'm not the type of parent. I don't really regulate what my kids watch like that. You know, my kid's a teenager. He's going to watch what he wants to watch. Right. That's just being honest. But I believe in having dialogue with my children. Right. Because I can't control what all they do and watch. But I believe in having open, honest dialogue. So I asked myself, well, how do you feel about that? You know, what does, I said, because it's so depraved. I was like, you literally have to pray after watching it. It's so dark. And he was like, yeah, he said, I, I never even thought a human being could do something like that. And he said, it started a big discussion in his class. And I said, oh, really? I said, well, what was being said? He said, mom, do you know what I find weird? He said, it seems like a lot of the girls in class are somewhat feeling bad for him. And I'm like, what? He said there was a whole discussion. I believe they were in English class. And he said, there's this one girl in the class. She's really quiet. She doesn't really talk. And she was literally arguing with the class and saying, y'all are acting like he killed 50 people. It was only 17. It was not that many people. More people died during 9-11. Like, I mean, it's just not a big deal like that. And he said, everybody looked at her like, this is a girl who's usually quiet. And they all looked at her like, what the F? Like, what do you mean it's not a big deal? You're not even supposed to kill one person, let alone 17. And I said, well, you make sure you stay the hell away from her because she sounds suspect. You know what I'm saying? It'd be them quiet ones, child. And I and he said it got so bad because people were arguing with her back and forth like, oh, you're sick. How can you defend this? That the teacher finally came and was like, look, you guys, this is becoming a disruption. We cannot talk about Jeffrey Dahmer anymore. We got to get back to class. So this Netflix series is becoming a distraction now in a lot of high schools because not everybody's talking about it. But even on TikTok, I'm seeing young people sympathizing with Jeffrey. And I, I mean, I, I'm confused. Like I said. I get it if you think he's handsome or you think Ted Bundy's handsome, you know, that's your business. But I don't understand the sympathy. Like, where's the sympathy for these victims? You know, like the young man who was deaf, Tony Hughes, like that part of the story had me in tears because at, at that point, I, I almost felt like, OK, maybe Tony's going to be the one to stop Jeffrey from doing what he's doing. Maybe Tony's gonna be the one to like be a friend to Jeffrey, not saying that the other deaths didn't matter, but maybe Tony can be like the hero of this. And you know, he's like, they really made a genuine connection. You really felt like Jeffrey really liked him and that was really his friend. And then the fact that he just killed him and Tony had to fight through all those adversities, you know, being deaf, wanting to be a model, being a black man, being gay. And he was able to fight through all that only to lose his life in that manner. 
was just so sad. You know, it's just really sad. And so I, it is very disturbing to see young girls on TikTok and young kids idolizing this man. Um, somebody even posted a picture in the Discord of a of a woman who has like this huge Jeffrey Dahmer tattoo that says, "If you can't beat them, eat them." And it's just like, really, really, these are real people's family members. You know, I don't want to regulate what people put on their body, but imagine if that was your brother or your cousin, you know, that's, it's just not funny. So it's really sad how morbid some people are getting, but, you know, people try to control what their kids do and watch. I I would say you're not going to be able to, especially if your kids have phones, they have access to stuff like this. So you need to talk to your kids and, you know, really have open discussions with your kids and let them know, you know, talk to me if you feel in some type of way, because Jeffrey's childhood was definitely mirrored with a lot of craziness. And the fact that he was just left to his own devices for so long is disturbing. The fact that the mom just left and took the one brother and just never came back to even check on him is disturbing. And things that you go through in your childhood can really trigger you, you know, into how you behave as an adult. Now, a lot of people don't want to talk about it. You know, the dad was definitely an enabler, but we also got to talk spiritual. There was a lot of demonic shit with this movie. Like there was certain parts of this movie where I was feeling sick to my stomach. There were parts where I wanted to throw up. Um, it's, it's very hard for somebody who's spiritually sensitive to just watch it with, a, I guess, a regular eye, if you get what I'm saying. Like when you have a high spiritual discernment, you can feel everything. You can feel everything. You almost feel like you're there with the victims. You can feel every hit. It's just very emotional. And um, the the young man who who escaped from Jeffrey Dahmer's house, uh, I cannot think his name. If y'all can write it in the chat, we had watched the video on Discord, his um, trial video. Tracy, thank you guys, Tracy. Um, Tracy Edwards, thank y'all. And he said that while he was there with Jeffrey Dahmer, he would go from being normal and friendly, and then all of a sudden would just be the switch. Now, you guys saw in that scene, there was a satanic Bible. There was another scene with the grandmother where he had a satanic altar. Jeffrey, to me, is a classic case of not only white privilege, right? but also somebody who was legit battling and playing with dark entities and demons. If you don't think that demonics, demonic energy and demons are real, I suggest you really do an in-depth look and research into the Jeffrey Dahmer case. The whole case is very demonic. I believe a lot of those people were sacrifices for him and maybe for others. What's even more crazy that a lot of people don't understand is That building is no longer there. They ended up um, destroying that entire building, uh, apartment 213. The entire building got destroyed, right? Because some people were killed. Then what they did with that abandoned lot, they built a playground there. And they wanted the same community that had been affected by Jeffrey Dahmer to let their children go play at the playground. People called it the devil's playground. And people said, we would not allow our children to mingle with the spirit of the devil on that playground. So eventually there was so much uproar in the community that they ended up demolishing the playground. And then it's just an open lot. The lot recently sold a few years ago for $500. So it's owned by, I believe, a private citizen for $500. But part of the agreement is they can never build anything on that lot. 
ever. So I'm going to go ahead and start taking calls. I want to hear y'all's opinions. Um, talk to me. Let me, know, let me know how you guys feel about the documentary, good or bad. Let's get the discussion popping. Let me go. I'm going to start bringing people up on stage. Let's start with uh, Tia Chanel. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T, can you hear me? I can hear you perfectly. How are you? I'm good. I am so blessed. So uh, today's my birthday. I am 30. Shout out Libra gang. Okay. And happy birthday, sis. Thanks, Leo, sis. So because I'm 30, T, I've been with the true crime shit. I remember Court TV, City Confidential, mm -hmm. A&E, all that stuff. So I've been on the true crime thing. Now, I've always known about Jeffrey Dahmer. That was one of the main serial killers I used to talk about in elementary school and all the kids thought I was weird. But um, I didn't watch the documentary yet because it's my birthday week. But when it comes to you, when you said about the empathy thing, I feel like this generation in general, we're being desensitized to bad people. Like mm. even the um, TV series You, Joe is a murderer. He is yes. a murderer. But we root for him. We want him to win. We are drawn in by him. We think love is crazy, but this man is just as crazy. So why do we want him to win and her to lose? We're being desensitized to evil people because they have a sexual um, energy, our charisma. And see, I'll be honest with you. Mm -hmm. I started listening to King Vaughn after he died because I was listening to a song he was featured on. And I'm like, oh, he got bars. So I went down the rabbit hole and I found myself enamored with him. And I mean, yeah, he was handsome and he was charismatic, but he was a serial killer who knew how to rap. Like, let's keep this yeah. all the way 100. And I we said that pull... months ago. I said we like to, especially in hip hop, we like to sit here and say that these people are savages and shooters and goons. And I said months ago with B.L. Sherelle, let's stop calling them goons and savages. Let's call them what they are. They are serial killers. If this was a white man, okay, in Chicago or in the hills of the Ozarks, and they had seven bodies, they'd be a serial killer. But when it's somebody in hip hop who has seven bodies, oh, it's just seven bodies. No, those He's a real nigga. Yeah, those are real people's children's, not bodies. Right. And so it's like, honestly, and even in the parts where he says he's smoking tuca, I got to check myself when I say that, because that's a little 15 year old boy. They're basically mocking his death because I know that's what and I'm not judging, you know, because I'm just saying from what I feel. And it's just like, yeah, we can pull out the um, his background out of our ass and say he was a, a product of his environment. But so are all these evil people. Why are we always, mm. you know, kind of blinded by someone's, you know, sad story like we all want to be Captain save -a you know? And, and right. feel that empathy and stuff like that. And so also when you said about his parents, I feel like one of the biggest spirits that is has the world in a chokehold right now is denial. So many people are in denial about so many things, their weight, their relationship, their money, their kids not being shit. Everyone, I feel like, don't want to see the truth or hear the truth. And so many times with these parents, they don't want to admit that these kids, there's something wrong with them because that means there's something wrong with the parent. And mm. they can't have that. And I just feel like um, I'm glad this documentary came out and I'm glad more people are getting, you know, on this wave. But true crime is something that we should, like you said, we should learn from and learn how to read people and stay on alert and tell people stories and not glamorize it because that's what people are doing now. It's like it's like a trauma porn. They love this. I saw a quote that said people like true crime because it's the closest they can get to murder without actually being involved in it. And I believe mm. that because people live such mundane lives. 
And I mean, I do enjoy true crime. I love the new series you have, and I'm so proud of you. And I love it too. You be kind of, be kind of jumping during the podcast, but <laughs> thank it's you. Different because today they announced in my hometown there's a serial killer on the loose. They linked him to um, murders in my town and in a town an hour away from me. And he's targeting men and women who walk alone. So true crime is cool when you're at home safe. But now I have mm-hmm. some crazy murderer loose in my town and I'm shook. Like, I'm really scared right now. And I'm telling my mom, like, please be careful. Make sure you're locking the doors. Keep your head on a swivel. And it's like you said, T, we should not be afraid to live our lives because life is beautiful. But honestly, we need to just keep our head on a swivel, stay prayed up, ask God for that discernment and just go on about our our day. Because I feel like now people are are addicted to clout and there's going to be a whole lot of copycat or new generation. Jeffrey Dahmer's people are insane, T. Yeah. And that's the thing, too, with true crime. Um, For me, I've always, you know, I've watched several true crime people right on YouTube and stuff like that. Um, But I also feel like the true crime community, one, let's keep it real, it's mainly ran by white YouTubers. Most of them are white females um, that those are the biggest true crime channels on YouTube. And you have some like the Kendall Rays who, who really handle it with respect and care that I respect about then you yeah. have others to me where it, it, it's like, are you even talking about a real victim? So you mean to tell me you can't take an hour out your day to not eat while talking about a murder? There's like an right. Asian girl who eats and does mukbangs and talks about murder. Or does their makeup and it's like, yeah, like, or makeup. Yeah, you know, and I think that's the part where, yeah, it, it does desensitize people because I'm like, I mean, even for me, when I was talking about the Bobby Holder story, just to do that video, first of all, it was like a four-hour shoot, okay? So I edited it down to an hour, but it's a lot of work. And there were times where I had to stop and take a break and leave for an hour, like literally leave, and right. then pick up where I left off because it's it's so heavy. Who wants to talk about somebody being dismembered in a laxidacical, in a laxidacical way while eating and doing makeup and no, like like it's a regular kitchen stories. table talk. Yeah, like, no, that stuff really takes a lot out of you. It's very intense. So if you're going to do it, you have to respect the the fact that these are real people. If you're going to tell their stories, tell their stories and tell them with respect, you know, and that's the part where, again, you can't control how people run their channels. But I do see where it seems like people are desensitized for them. It's just like another day in the park. It's just like, you know, another celebrity gossip story. But no, this has to do with the real crime and a real murder yeah and I just feel like people kind of have like Stockholm syndrome but more in a sense that they're being held captive psychologically by thinking that they're making a connection with this person and if they're narcissistic or a psychopath they know how to play on those emotions and especially people who are really who have empathy and stuff like that and one more thing I remember when you did your video on people being young forever and how that that crazy man specifically one of those black women's embryos and stuff Mm -hmm. like that. I mean, I know Jeffrey probably targeted the black people because they're easy targets back then. No one's going to care about a missing black man, especially if he's gay. But he's eating these people. Does he think he wants the Mm. essence of them? Is he trying to, is there something he saw in them that he wanted for himself and he thought by eating them that he was going to be strong like a black man or Mm. have power like a black man? Who knows what he dabbled in or what he was thinking like I don't know see I think the whole thing is crazy I can't wait to watch it but like I said I just wanted to give my two cents I love you I appreciate it you you, and thank you so much everyone have a good night shout out Libra gang and the 30 club
All right, sis, enjoy your birthday and thanks for checking in. Bye. Bye. She made some really, really good points. Um, yeah, again, that energy is real. And when you think about it, why else would he? Oh, God, I just hate to even uh, think. I have, a, I have a very, please mute yourself. I'm talking. Thank you. Um, I have a very, very weak stomach. Like just even when I, that's why I don't really do like reaction videos to gross stuff because I, my stomach, is, I would throw up like literally. I remember they had me reacting a few years ago to the girl who ate a tampon and I ran off camera and threw up in the bathroom while I was on YouTube. Like my stomach is very weak. So even watching him boil hearts and do all this, it's, it's just disgusting. And so it, it makes me think like she's saying, was he doing this? So that way he could have some of their essence, some of their energy. Because he even said during the trial that, and oh God, that part when he drunk the blood. Oh God. When he went to the damn clinic and got bags of blood that he stole and then just poured in the cup. And child, let me not think about if I throw up on here. He said that part of the reason why he ate those victims and did that is because he wanted to, he wanted those victims to forever be with him. With him was why he was eating them. So he would have a part of that victim in him. I, child, it goes deep, honey. Let me go ahead and bring some more people on here. Um, let's see, uh, Carly Alvarez, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Okay, she's not ready. Uh, Muchilla, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. Hey, Miss Muchilla, how you doing? I am fine. Now, you know, I watch a lot of the the I watch a lot of the crime channels, and this is actually the third Jeffrey Dahmer movie that has been made. Is it? Yes. Mm -hmm. So this one was it gave more details than I ever seen in the other two. So mm. it's really deep where I had to stop watching it and then you know step away from it and then come back. Yeah, there was no way I could binge watch all 10 episodes in one day. I, yeah. I couldn't do that. It, it took me several days. And a lot of times I try and watch it in the afternoon, fall asleep, wake up later, watch it. Yeah, it wasn't binge worthy for me. It was too much. Yeah, it was too deep to, to like binge watch it for me. But I feel like the, the, the younger generation is kind of desensitized because of the music. Mm. because of the movies because all of the crime we're seeing on tv now and all of the, the the true actual crime events we're seeing on social media that's true now as far as as this it i do feel like he he did he went to that area particularly like the detective said and targeted black people because he knew he was gonna get away with it and it wasn't only black people it was all minorities mm -hmm. he knew he was gonna get away with it and look, he did. Look at how the cops was letting him go, even from the from his first body. That first yeah. body, he had the body in the back of his car. Yep. And the cop and the cop cussed him out and said, "Get your ass home now. I'm not going to give you a ticket. I'm going to do you this one solid." That that wouldn't have happened if that was anybody else. Heck yeah. If that was anybody, any other minority, it don't have to just be a black person. They would have been pulled out of that car, frisked, and they would have been searching inside that car without a warrant. So I, I'm just looking at all of this, and I feel like his dad, his dad kind of knew, but he was in denial. Yeah, 
His dad was definitely an enabler. And I remember when I got older, I would see his dad like on the news and speaking. And maybe he was trying to defend, you know, the family name. I don't know. But even when Jeffrey Dahmer got killed, I remember the dad kind of like getting upset that people were celebrating. And I get it. That's his son. Right. But you don't have the right to then get mad at how people celebrate or don't celebrate your child's death when your child did some of the most heinous shit in recorded history. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like he was he was definitely the definition of an enabler. I mean, the fact that everything Jeffrey Dahmer tried from being in the army to going to college, he was kicked out of and he was always able to like place him in a space where he could still be enabled. When he was with his grandmother, he barely worked and would flip out on the grandmother, cuss the grandmother out. Mm -hmm. I'm like, this is insane. But he has all this money for alcohol. Who's funding the alcohol? He ain't working. Right. And exactly. You know what else with the grandmother? I think she knew, too. And, and she was she was like, oh, you have black friends. When she said that, she she didn't care. But she, she did care when she seen the other one come near and he was all incoherent. And, and, and she made sure he was walked to the bus stop. It was a good thing that she got up and stayed downstairs. And to me, I think that's when she knew that he did it before. Yeah, because there's no way in hell somebody's living in your house. And I'm sorry, you're my grandchild. So meaning I am the elder. And you think you're just about to take over my whole basement and just do you? So you mean to tell me the black lady who lived next door in an apartment, in a whole nother apartment, could smell the bodies, but the grandmother who lived right upstairs couldn't smell anything? Exactly. Come on now. And then once that mother father would have bought that mannequin in that bed and yelled at me in my face like that, he would have been out of my freaking house. That's a fact. He would have been out of my house yelling in my face like that? Nah. Over a mannequin? Yeah. You take your little mannequin, wherever it is, and go with your mannequin. Go get another one and be with him. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an, it's insane, like, just all the situations. And like people are saying in the chat, the dad was the one who introduced him to dissecting and having them chopping off heads and, and eating dead animals. And that's how they bonded. And that alone is weird. Exactly. That alone is weird. Exactly. Uh, to me, it seemed like he had the potential to do the same thing, but he had more uh, restraint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. More restraint. So, yeah, Exactly. So, yeah, something about it ain't right. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you did this topic tonight. By the way, he did murder somebody in Germany, and the army covered it up. I mentioned it in Discord. And I'm just going to leave it at that. I'm going to drop that little cliffhanger. And I don't know. You might want to do some digging. You might be able to find something. But I know how you I didn't know that. Guys. Yes, girl. And so I'm going to just leave it at that. And, okay. Um, I'm going to just get off here and let everybody else talk, all right? All right. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate you. Thank you. Love you, girl. Love you, too. Bye. I never knew that he killed somebody in Germany while in the Army, and I'm going to have to go do a deep dive on that. That was a nice little cliffhanger. Yeah, this man was depraved. And you know what's scary? Let me, let me, this is what it's got me thinking, right? There's nothing new under the sun. Like, let's keep it real. Ain't nothing new under the sun. I don't care if we're talking about sex or murder. Think about all the depraved people who did things like this back when there were really no laws, no DNA, you know, back when you could just disappear. Remember, there was a point in time where if you got into a situation and you just didn't like your your hometown, you could pack up and leave and become, you know, uh, 
Kim Smith in a whole nother town, USA. So if this is one man who felt comfortable, because remember, Jeffrey wasn't moving from apartment to apartment, town to town. He stayed in that one apartment at least close to 10 years. That's how comfortable he felt, that he didn't have to move around. So imagine the people who were able to just move around back in the day. I, I bet you anything, there were so many serial killers back in like the 1800s, early 1900s, hell, 1600s. Because again, who would who would be who would know? Who would know? And even if you felt like this person was doing something wrong and harming people, who would you go tell? You know, so like you were basically on your own. Even we could take it back to the slavery days. Imagine how many people just killed black folks and dissected them just to see how they ticked. To me, those type of people are also serial killers because you're taking somebody's life for no other reason than science. So I think the rabbit hole goes deep. It's just that because it's modern day, we look at it like, oh my gosh, this is so crazy. I can't believe he did this, but there's nothing new under the sun. Human sacrificing has been around since the Bible days. So let's keep that real. So let me go ahead and bring on some more people. Um, let's see here. Naja, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hi, lovely T. Hello, how are you? I'm good, how you doing? Good. Um, it's me with the that iPhone from last time. But I wanted to talk about um, the glorification of serial killers and violence. You know, they had this Ted Bundy, um, I believe the Ted Bundy Netflix special with Zac Efron. Your background is loud. I'm sorry. It's because I'm in the city. Let me go inside. Uh-huh. Is it better? Yeah, that's a little bit better, yeah. Okay. So the glorification of serial killers. So they had, I believe they had a special on Netflix with Ted Bundy, and I think it was Zac Efron, if I'm not mistaken. I don't understand what's going on in the world now and why they feel as if they need to keep promoting this because it's not only in our music, as another caller has said, it's like in our media, it's in social media it's in the news now mm -hmm. it's in our movies you know and what i didn't like about this special and what kind of made me disgusted with watching what i watched was how it seemed like they were trying to humanize this man how they were trying to convince the audience to kind of sympathize with jeffrey in a way from my opinion, from my perspective, with the dysfunctional household, the mother and the father getting divorced. I felt like, and then how the scenes are shot, it looks very like, you know how euphoria, when they shoot it, they want to make it dreamlike, very stylized. Mm -hmm. I don't like how it was very stylized. We're talking about a man who killed over 17 people. This is not, this is not some fantasy character. This is somebody who in real life murdered people. Um, and I couldn't, I couldn't really watch much of it. It kind of made me sick to my stomach. It reminded me of like Dexter with him and his dad. It, it just, it's too much in the media and what we see now that they're putting this like violence and this very negative energy out. Like I've seen nothing positive about this documentary. I don't think it was very informative. I think it was kind of like, for lack of a better term, like porn, like, like 
like a very well shot snuff film. Is, mm. Like, is that is that kind of is that reaching? I, think I mean, I'm you feel like it was like what trauma porn? Yeah, I feel like it was very stylized. I don't, I don't think it like when you report your true crime, lovey T. It's very informative. It's it's not it's not sugar coated. It's not dreamy like. It's very straight to the point. Flat. I get it. They're trying to make a a kind of film about it, but I don't know. I don't agree with making it like a movie. If we're gonna report about serial killers, we should state it as how it is and not try to make these people seem more human than they are. Because at the end of the day they did he did kill a lot of people and I yeah guess, but the i guess oh, the thing ahead. too though it's not a documentary so what yeah. you're saying is like you know documentary style is going to be more fact-based and just straight to the point this was a docu-series so it's more of a dramatization and especially being 10 parts they have to show backstory so they have to show his life and how his childhood and all that stuff was otherwise they wouldn't have a story to tell because we can always watch a documentary on A&E, right? But a documentary is going to be like maybe at the most an hour long. But when you're talking about putting together a series, they have to have those dramatic parts. They have to have those fillers. They have to show, you know, what made him tick. Because other than that, nobody's going to watch it. Right. I, mm-hmm. I understand that. And just one more thing. Have you heard that Rick Ross was like he wanted the Jeffrey Dahmer glasses? Rick Ross is such an attention seeker. That was like it. That was so crazy to me because I'm like, you know, you're talking about a serial killer, right? And and I feel like it just goes to show how another the other caller mentioned how desensitized we are. You're asking about a serial killer's glasses, like this, like I don't know. And then the memes. Internet don't take nothing serious nowadays, but I'm not gonna take up too much of your time. I appreciate you letting me speak again. It's always nice speaking to you, and I love your videos. Definitely. And I can't wait to you open Discord because I got my grip money. <laughs> okay, sis. All Thank right, you so much you. for calling in. Love you too. Good talking to you. Bye. Bye. Yeah, you know she made some good points though. There, there's definitely, um, you know, like a praising or a victim, you know, like a sympathizing, especially on social media. Now, let me go ahead here and bring on Paige Alexandria. Go ahead and unmute your microphone, Paige. Hello. Hi. Oh, my God. Is this real? This is real. Oh <laughs> I'm going to cry. Let me just tell you really quickly. I've been watching you since 2011. Like, this is amazing. This is amazing. Oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for okay. calling in. Of course. But let me just say what I need to say. So, with the Dahmer situation... First of all, I don't understand how people don't know about this case. Like, just seeing on Facebook and everything, like, people are so shocked about everything. Y'all didn't, like, y'all don't know about what's going on. Like, be knowledgeable about what's going on, you know? That's like- well, no, I th- but you got to remember, too, though, when this happened, uh, like, mm-hmm. even people like me, I was very young. Like a lot of people are young and then people younger than me weren't even born. So right. unless right. you're like really into like true crime or even um, the Dahmer situation, 
-hmm. people don't people don't are not going to do a lot of depth so they might know that yeah there was a serial killer named ted bundy there's a serious killer named John Wayne Gacy, Jeffrey Dahmer. Right. But unless you really want to dwell into that really, really dark side of history, people are not going to research that stuff because sometimes it makes them uncomfortable. Because even for me, like I said, watching it, I was shocked by all the stuff that I learned that I didn't know that he did. Really? You know, like, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that. Because I never went into, the only thing I knew about him was that he was like this cannibal in Wisconsin and that, you know, he killed you know, young boys, but I never went to go look into like the, the, the depths of his, you know, his soul, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like oh, to do yeah, like a deep course. dive on him. That, that shocks me because like, yeah. um, I used to watch your old, uh, you know, your old channel and you, you had like all types of like true crime, all this type of things. Like, you know, like you had so many types of, um, just, but that was a news channel. Mm -hmm. But those were modern day news channels. I never went back and talked about. Yeah, those were. But remember, though, those were all modern day news. That's true. That's yeah. true. Mm -hmm. That's true. But um, yeah, that was kind of shocking to me because I was born in 92. Um, I was a baby and my mom, like, you know, she she was in that situation. She knew. But um. Just with the Dahmer situation, like, it's not glorified. Like, Ryan Murphy, he's done such a good job. I feel like he's done such a good job with, like, the OJ situation with, mm -hmm. um, you know, even with Pose, like, everything. Like, he really brings things to light that people, like, he makes it a little bit lighter, I think, you know, because it's such a, a heavy situation, you know. Dahmer's very heavy, and he makes it kind of lighter, but he still brings the light to the situations that's going on. Um, even back in the day, I appreciate him. I really appreciate Ryan Murphy. He's great. I think he's great. And um, I just think that we should just learn from this. Like, you know, I'm about to turn 30. I have younger sisters. And this just made me think like, okay, like everybody needs to watch their surroundings. Like, it just makes you, like, hyper-focused a little bit, you know? Like, mm -hmm. I know you have kids and everything, and it's kind of stress. It makes it even more stressful because you just never know. One of my friends, he's um, a homosexual, and he, he literally made a post, and he said, like, just imagine if he was in Atlanta and he was on Tinder and, you know, like, Jeffrey Dahmer was just, like, you know, just clicking, 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 swiping right, right, right. And who knows what would happen? Like, you know, like we all need to be watchful about everything. Just watch our surroundings. I feel like this is like a, a reminder of what we should do, you know, even as, you know, as adults, you know? Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Like, you, know, you worry about your kids, but you need to worry about yourself as well. You never know who you're going to like, you know, come against. Like, you never know. So, Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Paige. It was good talking to you. Thank you. I love you, girl. <laughs> love you too. Thanks. I'm gonna cry later, but I love you. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Bye. Bye. <laughs> She's funny. Um, let me go ahead and um bring on Trishawn Sullivan. Please go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. How you doing? You can hear me fine and good and all that. Yeah, I can hear you perfectly. How you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. Um, just like uh, I think the first speaker you had, I also was 
researching serial killers in elementary, but they like gave us that project. Thinking back on it, that was kind of morbid for elementary schoolers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeffrey Dahmer was the one I researched. So I actually knew about Jeffrey Dahmer for years. So I was a shock to know that so many people were just learning about him. Mm-hmm. And looking at the docuseries, while I like some points that they got, they really did do good on some points. There were um, inaccuracies to it, like mm-hmm. the whole situation with the boy going back into the apartment. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer was actually arguing with two black women for a few minutes before the police pulled up. And then they started mm. arguing with the police and it was a lot more standoffish than what it was shown in the series. Um, and also with Tony, there's been debate because if you go into it, Dahmer actually kind of said that he only met Tony that night before killing him. And then the series mm, kind of so showed them more dramatized. Yeah, more dramatized, which will lead people to believe that maybe there was some form of relationship. But according to Dahmer, he met him that night and killed him that night. So um, now, you know what else is funny? One of my really good friends in Atlanta, I was talking to him yesterday. He had called me. We were talking about the Dahmer situation. And he said he just like he said, he had really researched him a few years ago. He went down like the Dahmer rabbit hole. And he was like the stuff that they're showing on Netflix. He said he is so tame compared to if you really do a deep research, just the things mm-hmm. that he did to some of them bodies and to some of them victims, mm-hmm. they couldn't even show you that. On, you know what I mean? Like they couldn't even speak it on Netflix. So they, they wouldn't even be able to be aired. Like very the stuff he evil. did was very, very evil and very dark. And that's what he was telling me. I said, I didn't know it got that. I said, I'm, I'm over here freaking out just saying that he was drilling holes in people's head. He said he was doing worse than that. Very much worse. Like I don't even want to say it on here, but it, bad. And this someone also spoke on about it. This society has been doing this thing within the last 10 years of trying to make good, bad and bad, good. Just like with this whole demon mm-hmm. time, like just trying to make everything that's bad, good. And I see that with this trying to add sympathy to him. Like, oh, well, this is why or oh, it's not that bad or oh, he just wanted love. And it's like, no, there was something off with him. There was something demonic about him. He was a serial killer. Stop trying to humanize him. Stop trying to make people accept them, and I see people are falling for it. So uh, I think that's going into this whole push that I've been seeing of trying to make bad good out here. I don't yeah. know if y'all noticed that. Oh, no, uh, they, I, they've been doing that for a while. You know, what's and, good is and, bad, and what's bad is good. Yeah, I'm not with that. And sidebar, I, sorry to anybody who's from Wisconsin, but it just seems like there's a lot of serial killers that come from Wisconsin. You know, there's Ed Gein, another one. He's he's from Wisconsin. I don't know what y'all got going on over there. (laughs) Yeah, something about the Midwest. And what's so crazy is the guy that killed Jeffrey Domner, um, his his last name is Scarver. He comes from the Twin Cities. He has big family out here in the Twin Cities. Like he's from the the St. Paul area. The guy who killed Domner in prison. He's a Scarver. So, yeah. Let me ask you a question, T. Do you Mm -hmm. think he should... um, do you think, I mean, I know legally, but morally, do you think he should have received, because I know he received another life sentence for killing Domner and the other guy. Morally, do you think he should have received a life sentence or shouldn't they have chalked that up to like some type of public service? <laughs> I mean, I guess for me, like I remember back then when it came out that Domner was killed I mean, nobody shed a tear. Nobody cared. I remember it being on the news. And I remember, like, people in the Twin Cities, like, talking about it. because His name was Christopher Scarver. 
because he has a lot of family in like St. Paul. So I remember people talking like, oh, our big cousin, you know what I'm saying, put in work. Because it was something racial. He was like, I'm his militant shit. And he said that God told him to and that Jeffrey was possessed and the other guy was like a racist or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was like a bunch of stuff behind it. Um, I mean, legally, yeah, you kill somebody in prison, they're going to charge you just like if you were on the outside. So I get that. But let's not forget, like, Chris Scarver was already doing life. So he had nothing to lose. So that was the thing. It wasn't like he was only in there for, like, five to ten years. Then they gave him this life sentence. He was already doing life. So I I think, you know, it was almost like, I don't want to say it was for show. It's like they had to go through the court proceedings. But what what all could you do to Chris Scarver besides giving the death penalty? And there's no death penalty in Wisconsin, so there was nothing they could do. But I said, we're just going to give him another life sentence. Well, he was already serving life because he's been killing people. And then my thing is, too, let's keep it real. Chris was in there for murder. So is his murder any better than, you know what I mean? Maybe he wasn't eating people, but he also took somebody's, you know, a few people's lives. Good point. I didn't research why he was in there. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, so he, I mean, he was a killer too. So, you know, and, and it just goes back to sometimes how it goes down in prison. Um, like sometimes you'll hear like uh, people in prison, like child molesters or rapists, they get it the worst. Or, you know, if they find out that you were, you know, raping women out here, they're going to beat you up in prison. And I always thought to myself, but are y'all any better? Like you're in prison too. Like it's not like they're letting the, the the college student with the MBA come into the prison and whoop all y'all's asses for being a detriment to society. Like y'all are really no better. Like you know, I don't know. Maybe one crime is better than the other, but I just feel like it's very judgmental for people who are also in there for like killing and you know all types of stuff to then trying to doll out punishment to other people. But you know, hey, just me. <laughs> Uh, thank you for bringing me on uh last parting thing they are interviewing that guy who killed jeffrey dahmer and i think he's writing a book currently as we speak mm-hmm. uh, oh yeah he's uh, trying to get his money and you know and I i'm not mad is. at him i ain't mad at well. it yeah you know because i'm some them let's keep it real the son of sam laws really ain't applying they're not really upholding no more it seems like a lot of people are starting to get you know get their little coinages from these old school stories so on that note. For having me, Definitely. Thank you for calling in. Bye. Bye. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on uh, Marquis. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, y'all. Hey. Hey, Marquis. Um, I just wanted to speak on a couple of different things. Um, the first thing was Evan Peters did say that, you know, he because he has been on multiple shows such as American Horror Story, he would be like royalty for the American Horror Story if people are not familiar with him. Um, And so he's, this isn't his first serial killer role he has made. Um, So in the past, he said that he, you know, quit quit like a season or two of American Horror Story to take a break to get therapy to try to find himself to really figure out how to stay grounded, especially because of situations like actors of Heath Heath Ledger um, losing his life because of his role. So um, he said that he's very grateful for, you know, his his 
people around him, just keeping him grounded in his therapist. Um, but he also did say that he wanted it not to be dramatized at all because of the fact that everything that had happened is already horrifying enough that it doesn't need to be over-exaggerated. There, not, mm-hmm. there doesn't need to be anything added to the role. You know, just tell the story how it is. That's what came from him. Um, as far as the victims, I really do feel for the victims because, I mean, the Black community can't take nothing serious. They've been, you know, having jokes ever since um, the movie came out, you know, jokes about everything. And that's going back into, um, like, glamorizing and having a killer go viral over the dumbest shit. I mean, the dumbest things, sorry, the dumbest things. Um, so that was that. Um, another thing going into glorifying and glamorizing and de- um, being desensitized, Netflix. Netflix has had like a whole entire section of like serial killer movies or um, documentaries, movies. Um, they they have so many different things, so many different ways. They have the ones about um, kidnapping. They have the ones about the, the Peter Pipers that's in the woods. You know, like they have so many different movies nowadays about killers. And I know everyone had spoke about it, but it I do feel like it's because it's preparing for something coming down the line. Of course, it's always something. It's always a plan. Um, so yeah, uh, I, the movie I am about on, I'm on episode six. I have not finished it yet. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but yeah, it's definitely been hidden on demonic. I have seen the books that you were talking about, the altar and the closet. I seen all of that. The thing that got me was when you were talking about the, the blood, um, that he stole and it's like he couldn't finish his food and I don't know if cannibalist like people who are cannibalists if they eat parts for so long do they come like like they don't start to like food anymore like regular food anymore because it seemed like he didn't finish his food with his grandmother and he went upstairs to drink the blood instead I don't know if you guys like noticed that like it was like he didn't want the food. He didn't want to be bothered. He was ready to go upstairs because he know he had a meal prepared upstairs. Um, so that was that's what stuck out to me the most on that. So, yeah, yeah, I'm gonna keep watching. Thank you for letting me talk. I think that okay. is all the points that I wanted to hit on. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for calling in. No problem. Talk to you. All right. Bye. Yes, that man was definitely a satanic warlock, you know, and I think people are not really ready to go into the spiritual side of Jeffrey Dahmer, Dahmer, however the hell you say his last name, child, um, and all the things that he was into involved in. But it, it like like the other gentleman said, it goes really deep, like the things that he was doing to those, even the poses, even when you think about those pictures that the cop found in his drawer, uh, the poses of those bodies um, are very disturbing. There are statues that are posed like that. 
Um, there was, we're not even going to get into the Podesto emails, but they're, they're, yeah, those poses are very, very satanic. That's all I'm going to say about that, child. Let me go ahead and bring on the next person. Um, Andy, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hi, T. How are you doing? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm good. Oh, my goodness. Like, I've been watching you for, like, 10 years. I love you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you, and thank you for calling in. So what do you think about this series? Um, so this series, I love Ryan Murphy. Like, he is, he does really good work. Um, and I think for this series, one of the, one of the main things I've, um, like, took away from this series is, like, how, uh, like, the intersections of, like, uh, like, um, of racism and homophobia, because I really do feel like, um, Although, in my opinion, I think Jeffrey Dahmer was a gay man, um, a self-hating gay man. And so, in my opinion, I feel like what he did was what a lot of people who are searching for power, searching for, you know, he he wasn't fitting into the, you know, the white standard of the white heterosexual community. What he did was he pushed down. He went mm-hmm. to gay people, and not only gay people, he went to gay people of color, predominantly black men who were gay, who he knew, one, you're black, and two, you're gay. So people really don't care about you because he did, I think he did kill two gay white men, but I think he knew, although they were gay, they were white. So they're going to get the, you know, they're going to get the the big, you know, spreads on the news stations. They're going to get the worldwide attention because the whiteness definitely shields them from a lot of the, things that wouldn't happen if it was, you know, a black gay man or, you know, an Asian gay man or something like that. So I think he knew that. And he definitely um, used people's disdain for gay people as an advantage, like, for sure. I think he, um, with the cops, like, as soon as he said, as like you said, as soon as they said the gay thing, it was, oh, we don't care. You know, if he had, if these were, you know, white, straight white women, it might be different. It might, mm-hmm. it, it might, it might have, the reaction might have been a little, a little different. Um, so I definitely feel like he definitely chose people who are not only at the margins, but like the people who are on the margins of the margins, people who really didn't know the society doesn't care about. You got these people who are, you know, black and you got these people who are gay, both at the same time. No one cares. Um, unfortunately and i think you know he knew that and i think he knew if he was going around killing all these uh white gay people it would have been it would have been raised alarms right it would have raised alarms of course the homophobia is going to come out because that's just with across all races but when you do do the double minority thing people really don't care um one of the other things i think that was interesting was the family like his family, of course, Christians, heterosexual Christian people, they don't, they, you know, him not being your traditionally white male, straight white male, they were so pressed on him being gay or, and they didn't want to speak about it. It was, you know, very taboo, very, you know, uh, don't ask, don't tell. And it's, it seemed like they were so, uh, I don't want to see, I don't want to see about the gay thing. But it's like, this man is killing people, eating people. There are bigger fish to fry than him being gay. But I also feel like their prejudice and their uh, not wanting to know anything kind of not enabled him, but um, is the reason why he got away with so much. And of course, you know, the white thing definitely allowed him to just breeze by and 
it's, it's just so sad that, you know, that's what, you know, that happened. And unfortunately, um, you know, this is nothing new. I mean, and it, it, you know, it's the it's the combination of the of the racism because, you know, Ryan Murphy has done. I don't know if you've seen the assassination of um, G- Giovanni De- uh, Versace. And that oh, I did was, watch that. I didn't know he, he's one who did that, that was. Yeah, he did that, too. And that was it was homophobia, but it was predominantly within like white communities. So of course, oh yeah, they had a manhunt for Andrew Cunanan, and right. again, the Minnesota is tied into that case. Um, right. When he first got onto the APB, the Worldwide News, was because of the killing that he did in Minnesota of like this really high end businessman that was building like condos and stuff in downtown Minneapolis. Mm-hmm. So the manhunt for Andrew Cunanan started here in the Twin Cities. I remember and, all yeah. of us being in downtown Minneapolis because by then I'm like 16. And people were scared. And we'd be like, oh, my God, there's a serial killer on the loose because we thought he was in Minneapolis at the time. But then they'd be like, well, he's gay, so he's not going to come back to y'all. Y'all are females. You know what I mean? Right. So there were those conversations. I remember that. Yeah. And even within that, even in that, like, documentary, they had said, like, the only reason they even really cared about um, Versace was because he was a celebrity. Mm-hmm. So if he, he was a gay man, but he was a celebrity. So, of course, you know, everybody... If he was just a regular, you know, gay guy on the street, they wouldn't have cared. So, and they were, and this was within white people predominantly. So, once you add the race thing, it's definitely gonna uh, allow them to, you know, really not care, you know. And I think it's just interesting about it tells you about who's allowed to be a victim, who's who gains people's sympathy, because you know, had it been a white woman, you know, it would have been a complete, di- you know, completely different scenario, you know. It's just unfortunate um, that this is, um, you know, what happened. And I think his father, his mother, they all, I'm not blaming them because at the end of the day, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer was a grown man. He made his own decisions. But I just Mm -hmm. feel like there were signs. And I I also have to remember, this was in the 90s, right? Late, early 90s, Mm -hmm. late 80s. Like, this is not 2022. So... The gay thing was a, definitely a taboo. You weren't, you know, it was a, in the middle of the AIDS crisis. It's it's different times. And back then, although it wasn't as segregated as before, a white man going into a black gay bar, you're going to stick out like a sore thumb. Um, yeah. Like in the beginning. And so I do feel like he specifically chose people that he knew people wouldn't care, would not really care about. Um, based on the homophobia and the racism and the cops just you know those two things the cops just didn't care even like the asian boys like they're not black but like you know i felt so bad for them the deaf black boy like i felt so bad and it's just like if only the cops did more like they and there were somebody was always so close to finding out and a lot of the reason why they didn't was because of the you know, oh, 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 it's gay stuff. Oh, we don't care about that gay stuff. Or oh, you're white. Oh, well, we're just gonna let you off with a with a with a couple um, you know, citations. No big deal. Okay. Um, so yeah. Um, but I I think it. I think that these stories do need to be told. Like, there's so much that we probably don't know about. So many other stories. I think these stories definitely need to be told. Of course, the right way. Um, and you know, I. I completely um i don't like you know of course i don't like the subject matter it's very very dark you do have to like take it one step at a time it's not like a traditional ryan murphy special 
you know, um, you do have to do it. It's, it's very, very dark. I mean, especially like the cannibalism, the stuff that he's not just regular murder, you know, like shooting somebody. These are like really sick things. So I think, but I mean, it, it needs to be told. So, it, you know, hopefully we see the signs we, and, you know, people don't do it again or people, you know, if it does happen again, we know from the past, like what to look for. Um, and, you know, so, yeah. Okay. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It was good talking to you, Andy. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Yeah, I, you know, there was definitely a lot of homophobia, you know, back then and, you know, the gay epidemic. So it was a lot of things that helped them in a way to keep on going and to keep on getting away with it. And let me just say this, not to be, you know, uh, mean, I'm kind of confused and I don't know, maybe it was dramatized because again, I don't know the whole ins and outs of his case, but it kind of bothered me when the little Laotian boy said, I know who you are. Um, you went on trial for molesting my older brother. Was that real or was that dramatization? Because I would think that if this man, you know what I'm saying, molesting my brother and we were all in court with the family crying and trying to get him put in jail, why would you go home with him and knowingly go home with him? I don't care if he was offering $50 or a, a damn fudge bar. Like every time I see you, it's on site. So I don't know. People are, okay, was it real? I don't, I just thought it was just so weird because I'm like, if he could do this to your brother, what did you think he was going to do to you? But then I try and remember, well, he was 14. Maybe he wasn't thinking or he really needed the money. But that part really disturbed me because I'm like, man, that. So I don't know because he he's literally affected that family twice. So that means he was in that community. And imagine this is a man that has molested that young boy, the Asian family, the Laotian family. And they have to see Jeffrey Dahmer at the gas station. They got to see him at the grocery store. They got to see him just walking and, and skipping through the neighborhood. Like that's insane that he was just there and, and nothing was done. I don't I just thought that part was just really weird. I don't know if that was dramatized or not, but I just don't understand why you would go back with somebody who did that to your brother. But again, I don't know if it was dramatized. Um, let me go ahead and bring on Devonta Thomas. Go ahead and unmute your microphone. Greetings and salutations, my dear. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing better. This retrograde is kicking my ass. A lot of ups and downs right now. It's very chaotic. I definitely agree with that. It's a lot going on. We got the hurricane coming. It's That's a, a sign. Lot. It's a sign. Very spiritual. So I'm very traditional in the arts of the craft. So it's it's wild. <laughs> so what do you think about this whole situation with Jeffrey? Um, it's this conversation is going to get very dark and very deep. So I hope everyone is okay with this conversation. And my name is pronounced Devante. You can also call me Sapphire. Okay, so Sapphire Devante. Okay, perfect. Yeah. Yes, let's and, go deep. Okay, and also, I've been watching you since high school. You just always had, like, this light to you, so this is also a privilege just to talk to you. I never thought it was going to actually happen, but the universe, I guess, right? Right. No, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And I saw um, your comment, so I was like, you know, let's reach out, so come on through. Um, I would say, as for the whole Jeffrey Dahmer thing, um. It was definitely spoken in my household a lot. I mm. never knew who this person was. All I know, he did something terrible to my cousin. And keep in mind, I was a kid when this happened. So, not even a kid, sorry. I wasn't even born when this happened. But the conversations, just his name, 
it struck like eeriness in my heart until actually doing research about what he actually was doing, such as, you know, eating bodies, drinking blood. And I guess how the whole situation went down. His name is David Thomas. That's one of my cousins. He so one, one of the victims, victims is your biological cousin. cousin. Wow. Correct. Yes. So you're talking to one of his one of his family members. Okay. Yeah. So apparently when that happened, I guess he went to like a club or a bar. He came across Jeffrey and I guess he asked, could you like, like nude shot? He was openly gay at the time. But um, of course, during that time period, it was very unacceptable. And so to this day, like it's acceptable, but it's still like everyone has the differences and that's okay for the most part. But during that time, it was just easy for someone like Jeffrey to take advantage of that. Me being black and gay, I see the similarities how we get disregarded. So I see that could be a possibility like for him to get away with so much. I felt like he used that for power in a way. Mm-hmm. And the whole like drinking blood, that's very ritualistic. Coming from a coven of African witches from the Caribbean, Santa Teria, Buddha, with Latin descent, we always talked about the sacrificial magic that people do use. And a lot of stuff is very occultic. I would not be surprised if he actually did dabble in it, because I get it. Like, killing is one thing, but just do all these extreme things. Mm-hmm. Either he was very psychotic or he was a practitioner of the dark arts because you're talking to one right now. I don't kill anybody, but that does exist. So and when you say that you're a practitioner of the dark arts, are you like, are you in the Satan, uh, Santeria, Satanistship, like Satanistship, I'm a, or what? I'm, I'm a Hecadian warlock. So I worship Hecate and also just Santeria, work with Oshun, such as Yemaya. So I do a very variety of these, but the first okay, so magic, you're not into I, like the dark arts, like dark, dark. You're like more like into like, um, like African spirituality, Caribbean spirituality. Okay. To be a traditional witch, you have learned both, but a dark witch is solely just on the darker path. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So let's say there's light, there's dark, and there's in between. A traditional witch is that in, in between. You have to remain balanced with mm. the spiritual energy. So this is a conversation a lot of people don't have or talk about because it's a very art to frown upon. And yes, everyone do their own practices differently, but his practice was more so, I would definitely say satanic, if anything evil, because that practice was never mentioned in the household, but however, we still knew about it and we do know it exists. Mm -hmm. So I wouldn't be surprised if it was deeper, like meaning for him to do it besides like psychotic sick behavior because he was just fucked up, you know? Um, but I wouldn't put it past it because we started mentioning like he was a warlock and you have a warlock on your stream. I was like, yeah, you're hitting the right clues because it makes sense. Yeah. I mean, that's the vibe I got. Cause like I said, I didn't know, um, that he dabbled into Satanism until I was watching the show and I was seeing, you know, See, I didn't altars. know that either. Yeah, I was seeing the altars. I was seeing the, you know, the book of Satan and all the Church of Satan books and all that stuff. So I'm like, okay, this is way deeper than just this man, you know, killing people and eating people. There's a spiritual dark aspect to this case that people are not necessarily hitting on. Even with some of the victims, I believe, was your cousin ever found? Was he the one that they never found his body? Yeah, apparently he found him like unattractive so i guess like he just got rid of his body and couldn't find his remains so 
it struck mm. like hardcore to my family because it hit it hit like the family pretty hard apparently we have another cousin she's actually in trial she was the woman that was screaming going off if you ever pay attention to the interview yeah. that was also one of my cousins too oh wow so yeah that's my family that um oh so she's the sister of of the thomas guy yeah oh yeah she's matter of fact she's speaking out today because she was talking about you know how they're because you know how everybody's matching that that video of her screaming with the reenactment Mm -hmm. so she's speaking about that today i saw her interview and she's saying that she's in a better place you know today than she was back then but that this whole situation is stirring up a lot of emotions for her I know, understandably so, because um, all I hear is good things about him. Like when he was alive, it's just it's unfortunate like that happened to him. But it definitely it was it was just really fucked up when it like happened to him. Like still to this day, my mom still cry about it. Um, that's why she's very protective of me because she sees me like as a if anyway like a mirror of him in a way because we're very similar. That like, she was telling me like black gay very positive very like outgoing just a good person so i guess like when that happened to him she held me closer because she don't want that to happen to me if that makes sense mm-hmm. now okay now are you because people are asking um the lady that was screaming that they're doing the side by side i guess is errol Lindsay's sister not not thomas yeah there could be misinformation but i know david thomas was Maybe that's correction because I'm just hearing from family right now. They're just upset. But um, I know David Thomas. They said like that was one of her cousins, but this is kind of like a hereby say thing. So I'm the female part. I'm gonna say that's like a maybe, but I know for sure like David Thomas. That's yeah. Okay. Well, you've left. That's with a lot of information here. I mean, it's very yeah. interesting. I, I just will hope say, that. Mm-hmm. Be very careful for the next few years. Cause right now, um, my fellow coven, we think we're going through like this weird apocalypse cause everything that's going from the craft is also leading to the biblical side too. Cause there was like a shooting, like what was his name? Ezekiel or something like that. He shot someone mm-hmm. with guns. Cause like we were looking deep into that too. It's like, these are like signs or prophets of like the apocalypse. So we just had our first pandemic. When that happened, we did like a coven meeting. We predicted this. So just be very careful out there. It's going to get more crazy and very chaotic. Well, I appreciate that. And thank you so much for calling in. It was very good talking to you. And finally talking to you. And I appreciate the time and have a blessed day and blessed be. Okay, you too. Bye. Thank you. Bye, my dear. All right, let's go ahead and bring on Codinia. I hope I said that right. Okay, let me go ahead and bring on uh, Stavini. Hey, T, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Did I say your name right? It's Stephanie. Stephanie, that's pretty. Okay, how are you doing today? Thank you. I'm doing fine. How are you? I'm good. Um, one thing that I wanted to touch on when it came to the whole Jeffrey Dahmer case was the preservation of his, of his brain. His mom actually fought to have it studied. His dad was against it. Um, one of mm. Jeffrey's last wishes was to be cremated when he died. He wanted to be cremated. But his mom wanted to preserve his brain because she wanted to understand why, of course, her child was the way he was. Right. His dad said no, so they went to court about it. They literally went to court about this, and the judge ruled in favor of the father saying, 
no one needs to know exactly how he got like this um, because what? we might find. Yeah, he's like, um, he's like, we don't want to resurface anything uh, because he's been in jail for a while. And he, of course, he was murdered. And so once his death happened, you know, like people figured that that was the closure, at least people in law enforcement, they figured that that would serve as closure for the families. He was murdered and he died. So this whole fiasco of studying his brain and seeing what they can find out about it, they didn't want that information to be published. Um, I also think they didn't want it to be published because previously, um, I don't know if it was John Wayne Gacy or Ed Gein, whose brain that they studied, and they found out that their brains were normal. There was nothing abnormal about the brain to determine on why they did what they did because they were also serial killers. So I think that they didn't want it to be like, I didn't think they want Jeffrey Dahmer to kind of, what am I trying to say? Basically like, basically like if his brain was normal, if they found out that his brain was normal, it would literally be like saying there was no difference between Jeffrey and his victims. And I don't Mm -hmm. think they wanted, I don't think they wanted that connection to be put out there seeing that they wanted complete and total closure, especially after everything that happened. So I think um, the whole thing of analyzing evil, it's very intricate and very hard because you might find out that there's really no true rhyme or reason to why these people do this. They just do it because they can, which is kind of what Jeffrey did. He did it because he could. And he said it like he kept saying, there's nobody to blame dad, but me. That, it's, it's weird that once he wants to start taking accountability, now all of a sudden he needs to plead guilty. I mean, excuse me, crazy and try and go to the psych ward. This man has never taken any type of accountability his whole life, but he wants to take accountability for what he did. And it's like they were still trying to pacify him. Yeah. And um, I also want to um, what do y'all guys think about the whole finding God? Um and that whole uh, dramatization. And of course, in real life, he did too. the whole finding God, him getting baptized and all that. What do y'all think about that? Because there's this whole like, of course, the Christian side where, you know, well, if you, you know, confess your sins and, you know, you come to the Lord, you know, all is forgiven. You get a clean slate. Does everybody mm. get a clean slate? Does everyone truly get a clean slate? including cannibalistic serial killers. I don't exactly. Know. Exactly. And that's the part that's disturbing because, yeah, he did find God. And I don't want to, you know, clown anybody's relationship with God. But then again, it it also will make people second guess God and say, well, if there is a God, why would he allow this to happen? And then now the killer can have a clean slate. So in a way, I, I feel like it's kind of a mockery. It was almost something for him to do. And people got to remember, too, when you're in jail and prison and, you know, there's no way out, you just get involved in stuff. It's just something to do. I'm not saying that he couldn't have really changed his life and really was, you know, a, a believing Christian. But for so many years of his life, he was a Satanist and killing people. And I don't know. I just feel like a, a, a cheetah don't change his spots. But that's just me. Yeah. And of course, like only the true, only the only the true person that can get to determine, you know, who gets a clean slate is God, of course. But there's also this whole like this whole like, well, I confess and I admit it to it. And now now I'm ready to make amends. Like it's it's not that easy, especially considering what you did, you know, like 
Mm-hmm. This isn't, it's not a, it's not a traffic ticket. It's literal murder. Eat, right. Eating, eating people, saving their organs and stuff like, like that. I don't, you can say you're sorry. You can ask for forgiveness, but the only one you should be asking for forgiveness and the only one who can help you is God, because I don't think asking the public or trying to change your image for the public is going to do anything. I felt like it was kind of in a way, in a way to kind of really not take accountability. Like, yeah, I did it, but I found God. Like, no, exactly. Yeah. It's, mm, it's a touchy subject. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. And I don't, you know, like I said, he can find what he wants to find, but um, yeah, I'm not taking him seriously on that note. I just think it was more or less something to do at that point in his life. He had nothing else to do. But thank you so much for calling in, sis. It was good talking to you. Thanks, T. Y'all have a good night. You too. Bye. All right, let me go ahead and bring on Luther's boy. Luther's boy, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Thank you. And what's good, T? Hey, (laughs) I'm doing good. How about you? Listen, when I saw that you was doing a green room on this, I was ready because I I I binged it. I binged it in one day, all ten episodes, and um, it was a spiritual battle after the fact, you know, because mm. opening yourself up to so much demonic energy mm-hmm. is real, and that's what I really want to talk about. You know, I'm always gonna go deep, so. Mm-hmm. I don't know if y'all noticed, but, and you spoke on this in the past, but recently, or even for the last two years, horror movies are like coming out every week. It's not like a season like it used to be back in the day. It's like they are pushing this so All hard. the time. Yeah, back mm-hmm. when we were younger, the only time that horror movies came out was around October for the Halloween, you know, festival, whatever. So you would know that, you know, every year there'll be one horror movie released, either Jason or Freddy Cougar or Michael Myers. It wasn't where every other movie's a horror movie. It's it's insane to me. I can't keep up with all these horror movies and I don't even want to watch them all because they're very creepy. Listen, and we shouldn't because the words say we need to protect our eye gate and our ear gate and, you know, allowing these things to come in will start to, to mess with us. And why is Netflix the conduit to all of these horror movies? Like, I'm telling you, Grimm, Incantation, Devil in Ohio, Sandman. Like, these people are literally worshiping Satan on film. They are showing rituals. It's like, it's it's so demonic, guys. And the whole point of it is like, I think we should be asking ourselves, why? Why are they pushing this, uh, this so tough? And like, what is the what is the purpose for it? CERN is is opening up portals. Are they getting people ready for demonic possession? I mean, I've been talking to people like my nephew and his girlfriend. They've been having sleep paralysis moments like she woke up the other night screaming at two o'clock in the morning because a demon was attacking her in her sleep. And then Mm. my nephew couldn't move because he was dealing with sleep paralysis at the moment. And I was like, y'all need to come to church with me in the morning. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But it's real. Now, I feel like 
there's so many things that I can say about this. Like, but the last thing that y'all said about him giving his life to the Lord in baptism. Yeah, what do you think about that? Listen, y'all know this man was serving Satan. If he he is the epitome of someone that sold their soul. Apparently, he had an altar. He was worshiping Satan. So you you say you get baptized or you give your life to the Lord. I don't know if you have a life to give to God if you dedicated and gave your soul to Satan, which is why he died shortly after that. Satan came to collect. He was like, oh, okay, you're done. That's my opinion. I also do believe that God is a God of grace. He says that his grace and his mercy is new every morning, right? So at the end of the day, when we all meet our creator, we'll see. But I don't know. I'm leaning more on less to the side. Like, um, I don't think his heart was was all the way in it. But again, this man was doomed from the beginning, y'all. Like, his mom took 26 pills a day while she was pregnant with this baby, right? So she had over thousands of pills. We're talking about morphine, Valium, antidepressant, cycle, active stuff, like all of these crazy things. And then when he was born, she wouldn't even hold him, only to change his diaper. So I would like, if you do do a deep dive, I think you would probably find more of you going to the Dahmer's family history, because Mm -hmm. there's probably some things that's been going on within his generation. And, you know, apple don't fall far from a tree and spirits move through generations. So there was something in his family whether it be from his mother's side or his father's side or a combination of both, because the dad even said he had thoughts of killing people, right? He didn't act on it. You know what I'm saying? So Right. Now, you know what's interesting? I remember somebody told me this a long time ago. Um, again, in the Midwest, sorry, Midwest be wild when it comes to like crazy cases. But if y'all remember the Kwame Wilson story, the, the young boy, the bootleg rapper who killed his mother, Yolanda. Mm-hmm. Remember, I covered that years ago. And I remember, um, and you know, of course, they have ties to the Twin Cities and things like that. But he was from Chicago. But I remember a lot of people telling me, um, this lady, it was an older lady, excuse me. She told me that sometimes people don't need to have children together. Sometimes people's DNAs don't need to mix. And I didn't understand what she was saying. I was like, what do you mean? She said, they, she said, I guess she knew Yolanda. And she said they used to tell her when she was younger, do not mess with this man. Do not have a baby by this man who is Kwame's father. Right. Mm -hmm. Kwame's father went to prison um, for killing a rival drug dealer and burning him and his family or something like that in a house. So like he killed a family of people. And then you fast forward, she went on to spoil her son because she felt like if she gave him everything that would keep him away from the gangs and from the streets and stuff like that. And he'd be okay. That same son turned around and killed her. So I always think back to what that woman said, because I'll never forget it. And she was like, sometimes People don't understand. It's not about people hating, being jealous. I got a man. Y'all just want me. Y'all just don't want me to be in love. Nah. Sometimes you have to really watch who you're having children with because sometimes that DNA spiritually ain't supposed to get together. Listen. Because think about it, Jeffrey Dahmer's daddy, yeah, he had his issues, but that second wife loved him. She was normal. She was fine. But him and that first wife had no business having kids together. And they can say, well, David was more normal. David never got into right. trouble. But David also had, you know, he, he changed 
his name and everything. But when you have kids, that DNA, it's a roll of the dice. So what are the two bad spirits from both people connected and make that baby? Listen, I, I honestly do believe that. And what that just goes to show is that Jeffrey Dahmer ain't had no great grand, great, great grandparents praying for him, for, for, for him before he was born. You know what I'm saying? They were probably mm-hmm. dibbling and dabbling and some dark things because again, they didn't touch on it heavy in, in the series, but the man had an altar to Satan. So obviously that's who you're talking to. You watch Exorcist 3 every night and you will watch mm. it. Victims watch the end part with you as you become possessed by these demons, which Tracy said he saw the manifestation of the demon in his face and then had nerve enough to put yellow contacts in his eyes to just mm-hmm. really lie. You yeah, know y'all I'm- go. Yeah, watch that Tracy um, court case. It's on YouTube going viral. He says he watched that man change forms. Yes. And by the grace of God, he got up out that house. That was literally the grace of God because God was like, no more. Like, for real. Like, it's insane. And look, and I know I was saying in the text, we're going back and forth about, you know, did he pick black people? Based on what I saw, and I'm a black man. Y'all see that, right? But based on what I saw, out of 17 victims, 10 were black. And they did state that, I mean... He said he just went after the victims that he had that were that would give him the time of day. And also, he said that was his demographic where he lived. He was like he could only afford to live where the black people were. So that's who he had access to. Just like the um, the uh, I don't know how to pronounce, um, but I know it's of an Asian descent. I don't know how to pronounce that. um, Laotian. Yeah, Laotian. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like. And he had an Italian. He had white people. You know what I'm saying? At the end of the day, you know, Satan, he's not, he he don't care. A soul is a soul. You know what I'm saying? And right. then on top of all of the demonic things that he did with those bodies, why did, why did we need this series? Like, at the end of the day, if you think about it, I never did watch a documentary about Jeffrey Dahmer. This is the first time that I did, but I knew who he was and I knew what he did, just not to this extent. But why are they pushing it right now? Like, mm-hmm. Like with so much death and killing and stuff going on right now in 2020, are they trying to put ideas in the minds of people? You know what I'm saying? Like, I think about those things like, you know, like are like it is educational one. But then again, like the glamorization, trying to humanize him, trying to make him feel bad and was was sicking me out. T and T mm-hmm. separate while he was in jail and people was writing him. Oh, and yeah. Calling him like, you know, they, oh my God, I love you. You're amazing. Can I get your autograph? People taking pictures. Like the, 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 the sickness in the world is really real. And the one thing I want to say before you let me go, mm-hmm. I feel like there were a lot of major points that this show hit on. White privilege, Black Lives Matter, homophobia, police negligence demonic possession, murder, police privilege. And the police privilege I'm talking about is those two officers that let that 14-year-old boy go back in there. They put them on leave and then had nerve enough to bring them back and gave them awards. Yep. Mm-hmm. Are you are you serious? And then and then they were the ones calling the father and saying all those hor- horrific things to him. I'm just saying like it's it was a lot to handle and 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 I would say if you have a problem like 
digesting like uh, heavy stuff, this is not a show for you to watch. Yeah, it's very it's very stomach turning at certain points. It really is. It is. But I love you, girl. Thank you so much for calling (laughs) me. (laughs) Love you, too. It's good talking to you. And thank you for calling in. Of course, dear. I'll talk to you later. Okay. bye. Bye. So we're going to go until about 7.30. It's 7.08 now, so I'm going to bring on um, some more people. So, um, Lexi, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Microphone. Hey, T. How are you? I'm doing good. How about you? I'm doing good. How about you? Oh, you got to turn down that background. Oh, you got to turn down that background. Oh, is it too loud? We can hear it. We can hear it. Yeah, turn it all the way off. Can you hear me now? Turn it all the way off. Well, I'm in my car, so I'll probably just... um, talk again later sorry about that no that's okay just turn it no, all the way okay. oh just yeah no it's loud it's echoing really bad yeah all right bye okay bye <laughs> okay bye all right let me go ahead and bring on lily go ahead and unmute your microphone lily ruiz okay she might not be ready um nifa uh nifa Nee. Hey, Auntie Lovety. Hey, how are you? Good. Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we can hear you perfectly. Girl, I'm down in the hurricane, uh, in the hurricane, St. Petersburg, Florida, child. I'm so glad you came on here because I wanted to talk about this Jeffrey Dahmer. I watched it on Netflix. Like, I don't even like true crime. But mm-hmm. first, I want to say, like, give my condolences to the family and rest in peace to all of the victims. But lovely tea girl i am mad like i am really mad i just don't believe how milwaukee police department dropped the ball like that like it's just ridiculous they totally disregarded glenda calling and she really tried to say that laotian boy like it's just crazy i'm mad i like this is ridiculous and i see what y'all saying especially about like them pushing all this true crime and like stuff on Netflix. I'm wondering, do they want this to be like another TikTok challenge? I mean, we seen what mm. happened with the NyQuil chicken. Like, <laughs> do they want that? <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, oh my goodness. And you know what? You open, you like, my ears perked up when you was like the spirits because Jeffrey was literally always drinking. Like he was always mm, drinking. Talk about it. Yes, he was always drinking and drunk, mm-hmm. and like it really like like perked my and eyes. And rituals, my... like I always mm-hmm. say, you know that's that's why they call liquor spirits. And in rituals, they use a lot of that liquor to open you up to allow those spirits into you. So that yeah, that's a great point that he always had a beer in his hand. He was always drinking, and I think because of that is how those demons were able to go in and out of him. Because there'd be certain points where you're watching him and he's talking. He's just normal. And then he just flipped. Like, remember that scene when he bought that sandwich to that woman's house, to Glenda's yep. house? Yep. And he's acting normal. Like, yeah, I made you a sandwich. Just go ahead and eat it. And she's like, no, I'll, I'll save it for later. No, I want you to eat it in front of me right now. Like, he would just flip, like, just like like a switch. And then he'd realize, like, that demon's coming out. So let me scale it back so I don't scare that person. Yeah, Girl. it was very creepy. 
very, very creepy. But you know what I do love? I love the fact that they destroy all the Dahmer stuff so it wouldn't be like collector's items or either getting auctioned off. Because I don't know if you remember, but they um auctioned off the gun that killed Trayvon Martin. Like somebody paid a bunch, like millions for that gun. Mm-hmm. Like So I am glad that they auctioned this off. And, you know, another thing I'm wondering, did like, any other families get a little cut off this money from this Netflix? You think they got a little little money from this? I'm not sure, um, to be honest with you, because a lot of the family members said that they didn't even know that this was coming out. Damn. Okay, people are saying they know they didn't get a cut. Yeah, a lot of them said they didn't even know it was coming out. They they found out about it when we found out about it. Girl, that's crazy. And you want to know? I I got questions because why didn't they put Jeffrey on the like? I know that I know the judge let him go, but I still feel like he should have been put on that sex offender list. It was around back then, right? I, I don't know because I was born in '93. Um, let me see. Jacob Weatherling was in '80. He did, Jacob Weatherling died in what, like '88, '89. The sex offender registry list, I believe, did not come out until more or less the mid 90s 93 94 i believe clinton was the one who ended up pushing it um so yeah there was no sex offender registry back then when he was doing a lot of this stuff okay then and you know what i was what got on my nerves i didn't like the fact that the people were sending him like money and stuff in jail and like the comic books and then the white lady had a nerve to ask miss glenda did you happen to see any of the zombies yeah what and and you know what and that and that part was so hurtful that even you know she was a hero when you think about it like just all the fuss that she was raising about this situation you know she knew something was wrong and instead of her being treated as as such, her job had the nerve to pull her into the office and say, "Well, you're making everybody uncomfortable here because you keep crying." When I the woman they is was gonna fire her. Yeah, when the woman is actually traumatized, so you know she's traumatized. She's crying. She says she's trying to cry in the bathroom instead of at her desk. And then you got the nerve to re-traumatize her by asking, hey, "Did she see any zombies in the hallway? Did she see any zombies around the apartment?" It, it was just really sickening. That part was really sad. Yes, that's that's when I really like got sick in my stomach. Like people is awful. Like what? What is that? And you know what? I'm blaming the daddy. I'm blaming the mama and the daddy. But I got to blame this daddy because what is that? I I don't know. I got my baby finna be eight tomorrow. So I would never think of getting roadkill and that's the only thing that interests him no that's some sick ass shit like i don't care about the science behind it the taxidermy or whatever it's called that is sick you don't do that as no parent like you he ain't interested in nothing else but dead stuff like what the fuck i don't know it's not funny but it's just like I'm definitely blaming the daddy because the daddy didn't want to be held accountable at all. This isn't me. This isn't me. No, it was you. It was you. You introduced him to him, to it. You show him how to do it. Like it was definitely you. I don't, I don't. I'm so glad that you did this, um, green room. And I think I hit on everything that I wanted to hit on. Oh no. Do we know if that's true? If the police was really calling out like, oh, man and like saying that stuff, you better take the 800. Fifty thousand dollars. Like, what was they really prank calling him? I'm not sure, cause I don't know what parts were dramatized and what parts were, you know, real. Just like the little boy on the couch, I didn't know if he really said that or if that was part of the drama. So I, I really don't know. 
But that is a good question, because why would you go there? You know what happened with your brother. Why would you do it? Like, $50, y'all was hurting that bad? I don't know. But that's all I think I got to say, Auntie. Thank you so much for letting me come on. Definitely. You're welcome, and stay safe. I know that Hurricane... Um, you know, y'all are getting it bad really. Girl, a tree just dropped in front of my house and then my other tree oh my dropped God. on the fence. Yeah, girl. Girl, it's crazy, but it ain't over yet. So thank you so no. much. All right. Well, definitely keep them forward in prayer. So thank you for calling in, sis. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on Shanika. Okay. I'm getting lucky. I'm here. I'm here. Oh, can y'all hear me? Okay, Shanika. Yeah, this is me. This Miss B from the um the Discord or whatever. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So my mind is racing everywhere. I'm doing mm-hmm. good. How y'all doing? Good. Good. Okay. So my mind is racing everywhere. I, I forgot some of the thoughts, but the gist of, the gist of it is, I haven't watched the show yet, but. What y'all explained it to me, it does sound like demonic possession, but I was reading this book about, um, I don't know, maybe two years ago, and it's called The Illuminati's Guide to uh, How to Create a Total Mind Control Slave. Well, in the book, right, they mm-hmm. talk about um, how they can create serial killers and um, psycho, like serial killer, psychopath and all that stuff, and they do these rituals and stuff. Like, I don't know what his mama and daddy was into, but I don't, you know, we don't know that family. I don't, I don't know what all they had going on. But um, mm-hmm. the fact that his mom was taking all those pills and so many drugs and stuff, like they, that's part of like the stuff that they have to go through. Like why they in the, it's 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 a uh, a form of um, what do they call it? It's it's like um, shoot, I can't I can't think of the word. I try I tried my best to. Kind of put put it anyway. Y'all should read that book because that what book is right the book there, called? It's called The Illuminati's Guide to um How to The Illuminati Formula to Create an Undetectable Total Mind Control Slave. And if y'all read that book, it will make a lot of sense. It breaks down a lot of stuff that we think is just like what in the world? Like what's going on? Like they do these moon rituals where they have the the baby inside of the mother and they, they do all kind of stuff i'm sorry i'm all over the place because i don't i don't got excited i'm nervous my thoughts everywhere but y'all read that book and it would definitely break it down um and another thing i want to say i don't think that he gave that he uh gave his life to god because kind of people like that they're, they're what you call reprobate reprobate in the mind and so mm-hmm. He's given his mind was completely gone. He's given over already to that, you know, the satanic cultic stuff. There ain't no coming back from that. So I, I that's just my feelings. Um, and that's in the Bible. Y'all can read up on that if, if y'all are into the Bible or whatever. But um, that book right there, um, the the uh, guide, the the Illuminati formula to create an undetectable total mind control slave. That's a good book to read, and it'll break that down. Um, like I said, I don't know what his family, his mom and dad, like the background on them, but it's possible that Jeffrey Dahmer could have been one of them children that they created. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, if they in that occultic type stuff, I heard y'all say that the dad was, um, he was kind of crazy a little bit or whatever. Um, 
But yeah, um, I'm sorry, I don't want to take up too much of y'all time because I ain't got my thoughts all together. Once I get them all together, though, I'm going to write it down <laughs> in Discord. I'm going to write it down in Discord for y'all. So y'all be on the lookout for Miss D because I'm going okay. to break it down for you. So. <laughs> well, thank you for calling in. I mean, you definitely made some good points. Um, I definitely think that there is more to this whole story. I think it goes even more spiritual than, you know, they're letting on. Right, right. Okay. Well, thank y'all. Right. Thank you for letting me on. All right, bye to you. Okay, bye. All right, let me go ahead and bring on Getting Lucky. Hey, T, can you hear me? Yep, I can hear you. How are you? Hey, I'm good. So I feel like that the timing of this movie, okay, so you know we got all this Demon Time stuff going on. We mm-hmm. got all this stuff going on, okay? And people's minds right now to me are very fragile. Coming off of a pandemic, you know, people just haven't been right in a long time. I know for a fact, I feel it in my soul. Somebody finna try to reenact this whole damn thing. There, you think so? I know, I know so. Watch what I say. Watch mm-hmm. what I say. It's finna be a reenactment of it because they have glamorized it. And, you know, and then I was looking on Twitter and stuff, people saying stuff like, oh, dang, he was so cute. He could have had killed me. And, you know, just crazy stuff. Yeah, the comments are always going to be off the chain on anything viral like that, which is really, really disturbing. And part of me, too, thinks like this. And I'm not saying that people aren't saying this stuff because, you know, people are definitely demented on social media. But do y'all think that it could also be these bots? Because remember, I keep telling y'all that most of the Internet is fake. Could could it be these bots, too, stirring up mess, stirring up drama, you know, trying to glamorize him? So because, again... It only takes a, a, a it only takes somebody planting a seed mm. for an idea or thought to run. And that's legs. exactly why I think this is gonna be reenacted, reincarnated, redone. That portal didn't got open, Jeffrey Dahmer spear finna jump in one of these folks out here and it's gonna be all over again. Because if you think about it, things haven't really changed that much as far as the marginalization of like the black people, the homosexuals, even though like it's more accepted though, but like it's still like, you know, cases unsolved now with you know homosexuals or black people and it's not really looked into so i'm feeling like i'm I'm telling you i got this weird feeling that this is gonna pop off all over again because if you look back into the times where he wouldn't actually happen how people were glorifying him turning him into like some kind of legend and he still talked about today in 2022 if somebody's gonna, I'm telling you, I think somebody's gonna redo it, and I'm thinking they pushing it, pushing for it too. Because why? All of a sudden now, Jeffrey Dahmer's story had been out since like what, the like 90s and stuff. Like why? Why bring it back now? And I think with people vibrating so low how they are now, I'm thinking, mm-hmm. I'm thinking it's gonna pop off again. I just, mm. I just feel it. I feel it for some reason. Because when I was watching, I said somebody's gonna try this. Somebody's going to try this. They're going to do a whole bunch of research and dig deep into it, get pretty much possessed probably by it. Because, you know, when you're researching something, you can actually, you know, get possessed by it. And mm-hmm. I think it's going to happen again. And the last point I want to make is, like, the neighbor. Like, I, oh, my God, could you imagine living, like, being his neighbor and smelling that girl? Because I know it's that girl. Why would nobody, like, you know, take her seriously? And the smell, like rotten flesh, dead flesh smells like it is a distinct smell. Like that, Well, it, that's what I didn't understand is that these are police officers and you're working in a low income area. Right. 
It's not like they're in Beverly Hills. So a lot of times in lower income areas, it tends to be crime, right? Murders, killings, drive-bys. You even tell me none of these professional cops have ever smelled a dead body. Because from what everybody says, it has a very distinctive smell. So I don't understand as soon as they walked into the into his home, how they weren't able to tell the difference between body a body smell and like burnt barbecue, whatever the hell he was trying to say that it was. I don't know. I think that I don't know because he should have been caught a long time ago. And then, like, I guess in the documentary, they actually had the live 911 call from the neighbor and how they were just so dismissive of her, like very dismissive. And then one time she called and uh, they, she was like, well, I hear somebody getting killed next door. And she, they was like, well, go over there and see what's happening. Like, really? It, 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 mm. was just, it was just too much. I just feel, I really feel bad for the neighbor because to have to endure that and keep on calling the police, like she said that she had called the police like 58 times. And it was like, well, if you keep calling, you know, that's a crime that you keep calling us and stuff like that because we actually have real stuff to do out here. And then come to find out he over there killing up and eating up people like that. And it, it was just, it was very disturbing to me. But like I said, I feel like that they pushing this out now because people are vibrating very low and I'm thinking somebody going to try to redo it. Hmm. Well, hopefully that doesn't happen because you know words have power. So I hope it don't happen. Me too, but I don't know. I just got an eerie feeling about it. (laughs) (laughs) All right, sis. Well, thank you so much for calling in. It was good talking to you. You too. Bye. Okay. Bye. All right. Let me go ahead and try Lily again. Lily Ruiz. Hi, T. I'm sorry. I'm a driver and I was loading up my packages, so... Oh, no worries. Talk up a little bit because we can't hear you. It's not loud. Uh, can you hear me now? Okay, that's a little bit better. Okay. So I'm one of those drivers you talk about that is playing you in the background while we're delivering. Yeah, I'm one of them. Hi, T. Oh, my gosh. That's uh, awesome. <laughs> I'm actually doing that right now. But Well, thank I you mean, for calling in. Um, and in LA too, okay? <laughs> you got the words right here. I'm one of those. So <laughs> what I wanted to speak on on this was um, just in general, like the, the serial killers we know of, usually um, something with their parents triggers them. Mm-hmm. So, something with them. Um, who was it? Uh I know um, the Chainsaw Massacre, his real name okay. is leaving my mind right now, but he was, his mother cuddled him so much to the point, and he was such a mama's boy to the point where he kept her dead in, in her room. He preserved that room exactly how she died. He, I think he had her in a chair and everything. Where oh, I'm you're talking about Ed Gein. Ed Gein. There we go. Yes, yes. Ma'am. Yeah, from Wisconsin. So, yep. Yes. And where I'm going out with it is every everybody. Richard Ramirez was another one that as a child, um, his cousin was feeding him a bunch of bullshit to the point where it made him tick. And where I'm going as is as parents, we have to do our job too. Like, you know, like it's not okay for... Because my kids are little, right? They know some of these scary movies. Why, the, if, you know, as a parent, would you teach, show horror films to your child? These are nine-year-old kids. 
seven-year-old kids already talking about horror, horror movies. It's mm-hmm. like, as a parent, why would you put that for your child to see? Even us as adults, once we, we start thinking about something so much, it, it triggers something where where you start seeing it. Even if you don't, you just your, your mind takes over. Your mind is a powerful thing, a very powerful thing, and something... Even as 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 even something as 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 a hit in the head can change your whole mindset. Even if you fall the wrong way, um, and just bump your head, if something gets hurt in your brain, you don't know how it's gonna affect it. For us as parents, to show all this BS to impressionable little kids as small as seven is ridiculous and it pisses me off and my kids sometimes feel left out because they're talking their kid their their friends are talking about this and that my kids Mm. my son just turned eight and we had a party Mm -hmm. for him on on the weekend i have parent control my shit oh my kids are not gonna move freely on this tv no ma'am so yeah you have to yes you have to control what you what your kids are watching those tablets when they're real little definitely garbage yes those those tablets are garbage like i've seen so much things so many um what are they called like when they put like little things for you to catch but you don't really catch like the little mermaid when they did that whole background with a penis Mm-hmm. My kids don't pick up on it, but as as adults, we can see it. Like we need to be aware of our of our children, and also like you know if if it's hard, but if we as um as adults, if we if we don't get along with our baby daddies and all, like there's a way to handle everything. We need to do better as parents. Like, yeah, I always find it disturbing when I find really young kids, like under the age of like ten watching things like that because I know even us growing up we weren't allowed to go watch um horror movies like I didn't see like uh what was the movie that everybody was watching back in the day that I didn't see until like high school like Boys in the Hood Menace to Society I didn't see a lot of those movies until I got into high school and I was older I didn't like that came out like the 90s I didn't watch that in fourth grade why because I wasn't allowed to like you're not watching a movie about gang banging and all this stuff you know so it's it's about controlling stuff even like a lot of horror stuff I remember a lot of my friends would go see you know Freddy Krueger you know when it came out Jason a lot of those movies I didn't get to see until I got to high school you know what I'm saying once I had more freedom and I was a little bit older but I, I always get really cringe when I see like eight and nine year olds talking about the squid game like why are you watching the squid game you're eight you should be watching Coco Melon or something Yes. No, and the kids at least when when that whole squid, my kids wanted to watch it. They never did, of course not. But their friends were all talking about it, and they would describe it to him to to my kids. I'm mm-hmm. like, that's not children. I'm like, they would come with masks with little like the squid game symbols. We gotta do better better as parents. Like we need to like kids are very impressionable, and we don't know how what we do will trigger them. Yeah, and but but that's why I always say too that you know as parents because kids have access to so much stuff nowadays they just do, so you have to then go back and talk to your child. You know, in a perfect world, your kid would not run across the Jeffrey Dahmer movie, right? 
But in a world with cell phones and kids who have Netflix and the password on their phone, I mean, it's insane. They can watch it during lunch. They can watch it at the school bus stop on the playground. I remember one of my friends' son, um, he got addicted to porn. And when she was asking him, well, I don't have porn in my house. How are you even watching porn? And he was saying, and this was even before, like, they had their own phones. But it's like, he didn't have a phone. But the the friend whose parent wants to be the cool parent and give their damn third grader an iPhone, well, that kid has a phone. So now they're all on the back of the bus looking at porn. You know, so a lot of times it's not even so much what you do in your own household. It's about how other people parent and how it can affect your household. That is why you have to have communication with your kids. I agree. And, and that's so important. You're, and your children should never fear talking to you, even see my kids are my kids are small they're eight and seven and i Mm -hmm. am like trying to figure out how to talk to them about the fentanyl pills because they're so small but that doesn't like um that doesn't mean that doesn't take them away from the possibility of this happening to them and see my kids go to a school where they it goes up to eighth grade so they're like you see these small children these head start killer kids first grade kids bumping into them like what are supposed to be middle school kids so all that is around these small children because they're older children there so yeah it's, it, we gotta we gotta do better as parents and of course like you said we, we we can't control everything but we should be able to speak to our children and our children should be able to speak to us Exactly. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Lily. I appreciate it. It's really good talking to you, sis. Hope everybody has a great day. You too. Bye. All right. Let me go ahead and bring on Zulika. Zulika, go ahead and unmute your microphone. Hey, T. I'm so happy to be talking to you. And I'm glad that you went on a green room and you're bringing this up because I just finished the Dahmer uh, show today. Okay. Yeah, I finished it today. I've been binge watching it. And honestly, I want to say that I feel like Dahmer had a chemical imbalance in his brain. So Mm. watch the last episode. In a way, I'm glad that they didn't uh, study his brain because I feel like it's a double edged sword. Because in one way, I do want to know, like, could it be something like CTE? where it causes you to have like these violent, you know, spasms or, Mm -hmm. you know, could this be a gateway to uh, let serial killers be pardoned? Because now you can say, oh, well, it's just a disease, you know, so it's not me, it's the disease. So it's kind of like, it's a double edged sword, but you know, I used to be a biology major. So finding out that, you know, him and his father, they did dissections. That was something that, I did, you know, my freshman year of college when I was a biology major Mm -hmm. and his father was a chemist. So I'm thinking, why are they dissecting roadkill in the basement of their house when his father has access to a lab where they can do proper dissections? Because uh, I Mm. feel like I learn a lot, you know, from dissecting, like even in middle school, I always took science classes. I will, you know, I loved science. And we we did it very professionally and educationally. We didn't do no dissections of random roadkill in a basement. We was in a lab, especially in college. We was in a lab. We had gloves. We had glasses. We had the professor there instructing us. 
Um, and and uh, even when, when you're a biology major, you have like you just don't get random animals. Like these are animals that are grown in a lab. They were you know put to sleep in a humane way. So everything is done very humanely. You have an actual professional overlooking what you're doing. But the father had him in a basement doing this. That for me was very you know weird because. I understand wanting to spark interest because, you know, dissection is a part of science, but doing it mm-hmm. in a basement, that's not the way to go because that's not in a professional lab in an educational setting. Also, uh, watching the uh, first few episodes where they show um, his mother and father's marriage and then the mother's pregnancy, the mother says something very interesting that stuck with me because I've been on the pregnancy side of TikTok lately. I, I don't know why it's just like random, you know, TikTok is just weird. And there is this lady on there talking about soul contracts with your baby in the womb. Mm, what mother, is that? Yeah, it's a soul contract. So, you know, you're bonded to your child before they're even born. And even on TikTok, there'll go, there, there'll be women that say, Oh, like, I've had premonitions of my child years before they were even born. So when the, mm-hmm. when Dahmer's mother said that, oh, I never felt connected to him. I didn't enjoy being pregnant. I didn't want him. And she was taking all types of tranquilizers, Xanax, Equinil, while she was 26 weeks pregnant. All that damage. Mm-hmm. These are hard drugs. Like these are antidepressants. These are, you know, these are hard drugs that, you know, that could damage of of developing fetus's brain and even looking at it from a spiritual side she never she never felt connected to this fetus even from Mm -hmm. the womb so I feel like Dahmer since the womb he was you know he was just born a killer he was just born simply because he never had a mother's love because his father was away and absent for the majority of his childhood which you know I, I I'm a big believer like you can have an absent father, but you can't have an absent mother because a mother, that's that's the life giver. And if your own life giver doesn't like you, never felt connected to you, never wanted you. And even when she left, um, even when she left Dahmer alone and took the little brother, David, she mm-hmm. I felt like she always had this favoritism. She liked David more than than Jeffrey. And and that is just creates some sort of rivalry there. And that for me, that's what really, you know, stood out to me the most. Even since pregnancy, she never liked him. Yeah, and that's what I'm saying. Like people take pregnancy and, you know, who they get pregnant by is just, you know, so lackadaisical nowadays, right? In, in this world that we're living in. But when you think about even back in the olden times, they took a lot of that stuff very seriously. Remember, they used to make, they used to have matchmakers. They would match you with who they felt you were spiritually connected with and who they felt was the right person for you to bear a child with. You know, there's none of that now. So now you just have people hooking up randomly and getting pregnant. Then you realize the person that you've only known for two weeks that you're pregnant by, that you're going to be tied down to for the next 18 years is your child's father. And now you have all this resentment inside towards that child. And that child feels every bit of that energy. Yes. Um, and also too, in the episode, I think it's the Lionel episode. His father is saying that he also had these negative thoughts. 
And I saw a doctor, I think it was Dr. Phil, where Dr. Phil mentions that mental illness is genetic. You can pass that down to your children. So if even from the father, I think the father always knew that the mother had issues because he was the one trying to stop her from taking all these drugs. And he was concerned for the fetus because they went up to the to their gynecologist and they were like, hey, like, why are you still prescribing my wife all these drugs? And my wife is like, well, I need this to function. So it's clear that she, you know, she had a dependency on mm-hmm. Equinil. And so he did have some type of concern, but I always thought like, if, if she had, if she's had issues before, why would you continue to procreate with her? Because you went on and created a second child with her. If I, you know, if I were him, I would want a a, a mother that would be, you know, take care of herself, be responsible. And same thing with the mother. Like, I'm pretty sure she knew that he had some sort, that the father had some sort of, you know, issues with negative thoughts like this. So why would you procreate with somebody like that? I mean, like, it just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Yeah, those those spiritual connections with children are very, very deep. And you know, even when fathers are absentee and they're not there, that can affect the child too. Because no kid asks to be here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. I, you know, it, I, and even the mother, she's always, she just never wanted to be a mother. And it's, it's like, why then settle? But then again, when Jeffrey was born, I think they were, I think he was born in the 60s. So they were in a different time. Where, you know, most women back then, like our grandmas and great grandmas, they, you know, they had no other choice but to settle down and have children so young. And it's just the fact that she just the mother for me that that really like impacted me the most because it's like she she left, you know, her oldest son. That's her firstborn. And usually that's your firstborn child. That's who you feel like that's who you love the most. There's there's no child like your firstborn. So just for mm-hmm. her to leave him, I feel like it it, make, it kind of makes me wonder if even from the womb, she always like has she had premonitions that her son would, you know, be a, grow up to be a monster. And maybe that's why she wasn't connected to him. Maybe she was more connected to the second child because she knew the second child was not going to be as messed up. I, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a lot of takeaways from this series. I will say that. And, you know, of course, nobody truly knows what made him tick and what made him do what he did. But um, it's definitely interesting. And it also goes to show you that you you have to treat your kids a certain way. And there's certain things that you shouldn't say to your children. Because from day one, they were telling him that he was unwanted and they didn't want him. And think about how every time it seemed like he'd be having a good time with these men, they're playing board games or they're you know chilling and having a drink. But as soon as they're ready to go, that's when he would just flip out. And it's almost like he could not handle being alone because he was always being abandoned, you know, by either his mother or the father. Because the father left, too. When he was in that house by himself his senior year, the father didn't show up either. They both were just out doing their own thing. So I think that could have played a part in it, too. You know, that whole because think about it. He was trying to create a living zombie. That is not normal at all. Because after a while, when you're pouring acid into somebody's brain, the acid is going to eat away at the brain. So the person's going to die anyways. But the fact that he was trying to create a living zombie to be with him forever could tie back to the fact that he was so unwanted as a child. Yes. I mean, 
even with with the 14 year old boy that for me that really you know hurt me because if you listen to the 911 call Glenda says that her daughter Sandra had seen this boy picking earthworms in the street so he's on mm-hmm. the block Dahmer's on the block and so he's interacting with these people on like a, a day-to-day basis like you know he's going now he's seeing them and they're seeing him and they always knew something was off but nobody ever listened to them and, and that to me was just when when she specifically said picking earthworms that reminded me of my childhood and how as a child you're so vulnerable and it's like wow like you know, he, he was 14. Like you did say, oh, why would you go to somebody, you know, like you knew he molested your older brother. But I think as a child, like you just don't think like he didn't understand. Maybe when that had happened, he was a lot younger, didn't really understand because the older brother in one of the episodes, you can see that he's all drugged up and he's escaping. And I think it was the grandma that had came out and said, oh, Jeffrey. And then he kind of left it at that. And then the boy went on and told his parents and stuff that he was ODing. And, and mm-hmm. it just made me think like, wow, like my mom always told me, like, don't take random drinks from nobody. Um, if it's not bottled, don't drink it. You know, be aware of your surroundings. And I always tell my friends, like, please carry with you something. Whether it be a gun, a taser, pepper spray, the comb knife, the window breaker, something, just carry something with you because it's, it's, you just don't know how people were raised, you know, how people grew up, like, it's, it's just insane to me, and it's just so sad, and it's like, so much of this could have been prevented if somebody would have just listened to Glenda, because Glenda had been saying this, and even with the grandma, she knew, the grandma knew. You know, the grandma was just, you know, she a old is an elderly lady. So she, some, if she were to see something like that in her basement, she, that lady would have been, you know, unfortunately dropped dead on the floor right on the spot. Because that's something that is could affect you really bad, especially if you're of age. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't see stuff like that. Like, it's just it's just a lot. And, and And it's just I just hope that there's no copycats coming out of this. But I hope that people watch this. Uh, the show and they take notes they take notes on the signs if they're seeing signs like that in a relative you know to please report that um if you somebody weird off looking you know please take notes on that person keep a, a, a entry make entries um you know record have receipts stuff like that um you know tell your friends like please carry something with you always carry something with you trust your intuition you know be careful, be more aware of your surroundings, all that type of stuff. So I just hope that people take notes. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for calling in, Zulika. It was good talking to you. Well, thank you so much for having me. I have fun. Thank you so much. Have a good night, T. You too. Bye. Bye. All right, you guys. So we've come to the end of the show. It was a lot of really, really good um, discussions out here. Lots of good discussions in the chat. Um, like I said, we could go so many different places with this Jeffrey Dominer story, but I think we touched on a lot of it. Um, everything from, you know, the, the victims to the killing, to the privilege, you know, that he was allotted and hopefully, you know, I'm going to speak this into existence. Nothing like this ever happens again. You know, hopefully there will be no copycats in the name of Jesus. Okay. Um, so we're going to speak that into existence because we got enough evil out here. We got enough people out here doing single killings, you know, children losing their lives, 
um, there was a young uh, 14-year-old child. There was some type of shooting that happened at the school in the urban area in New Jersey. So we got enough bad stuff going on out here. We don't need any more copycats. We don't need any more thrill killers, any more serial killers. But definitely, like I always say, from these type of documentaries, true crime shows, use them as a way to learn. Use them as a way to strengthen your discernment. Um, I also feel another reason why these victims let their guard down is because sometimes, again, not to sound funny, but you, some of us in the community think that the white man's ice is colder. And it makes me think, did they let their their guards down more because he was like a little geeky, nerdy, little white boy just trying to be hip and dance? Whereas, you know, if it was somebody that looked like them and was offering them to come home that same night, would they be willing to go? So that's what I'm saying is that we have to look at everybody as suspect, not just because somebody's black or white or Asian. Listen to your discernment. Don't be so trusting just because it's a friendly old lady. They be friendly old lady serial killers too, okay? So we have to look at everybody, you know, with the side eye until you know them. You just never really know people. So you want to be careful. And again, it's not about not going out, not having fun, you know, sitting in your house scared. I don't believe in that because I believe that fear debilitates you. Fear makes you sick. Fear makes you not want to socialize and be around people. Fear is not a good thing. So you still want to get out. You still want to mingle. But just be very, very aware of your surroundings, like Zulika said. You know, if you're going out to the club, be aware of your drink. Don't leave it with just anybody. Um, And before I go, there's also, I have posted on Discord, but there are these new pills. There are these rainbow candy pills, and they look so innocent. Um multicolor they're like the size of little tic tacs and kids are now taking these pills and there has been a rash of children dying last week it was up to about 11 children in minnesota that have died from these rainbow fentanyl pills so i want you guys to be very aware of this if you guys don't know i'm using my platform to raise awareness google research um we've had a lot of young children out here dying they've also hit la Um, I've sent the videos and the news stories to my own kids and we're going into the Halloween season. So I want people to be very much aware that if your kids are going to go trick or treating, I'm not saying they shouldn't go have fun with your children, but please test the candy. Please make sure that there's no rainbow drugs that look like candy in their candy bag, because we are living in a very sick world, you know, and, um, it, it, it just takes one time. Just one time you're thinking you're just eating something or you're just taking, you know, a pill for a headache and you're not waking up. So just be very, very vigilant. Um, Just understand that. Just just understand that we're living in dark times. You know, have fun, but just understand the times that we're living in and be alert. Okay. so on that note, you guys, thank you all so much for tuning in to Tea Time Unfiltered. Spotify live show was very good talking to each and every one of you guys. We'll be back again soon with another topic to hit on. So everybody be safe, be blessed, and I will talk to you guys later. Bye. Thank you for listening to today's show. Make sure you join us again soon. For all the latest tea, make sure you follow me on my social media pages. Just put in L-O-V-E-L-Y-T-I on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube.